All right, hello and welcome back to Unqualified Analysis. The show is zero qualifications, zero credentials, but a few more clothes on today. A bit of a chilly day outside. Also, got the hat on, so you know what that means. I didn't shower this morning. You already know what's up. Uh, besides that, though, besides the lazy day starting here, I've got a whole chock full uh, section of tabs open in my Google Chrome free ad there for whatever Internet Explorer you decide to use. I got a bajillion tabs open because we got a special episode for y'all today, of course, going through the uh, the updates in the NBA playoffs because that's what's going on right now. But after that, got a quick headline about the, you know, the, failing the idiot test, if you will. I'll elaborate on that in a minute, but you all probably know what I'm going to get to there. Then we got... The yearly show that you've all been waiting for, I'm sure, the draft need special. I go through all 32 teams, tell you which areas of need they should be focusing on now that we are on the doorstep of the draft, just coming up this Thursday, one of my favorite times of the year, at least in the first round. I'm, I got, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I have a life necessarily, but I got better things to do than to watch rounds two through seven. So first round should be fun though, to say the least. So we got a jam-packed episode for you today. Might be pushing two hours. We'll have to see how long that draft need special goes on for. But first things first, hey, I'm your host, Caleb Verzak, by the way. You can follow me on all my socials at Caleb Verzak. Uh, shoot me a DM if you want to, to add something to the show. Link to my Twitter will be down in the description. Uh, also, subscribe wherever you're listening. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, any one of those. Just go down there. Look for that follow or subscribe button. Click that real quick, and then you'll just know whenever I uh, upload any of these. Also, by the way, if you want to know when I upload these, it's every Tuesday, you silly goose. I'll tell you what, it's coming out right now as you're listening to this, maybe, or if you're listening to it later, it came out on Tuesday, so there you go. Uh, Enough rambling around, talking in circles, though. Let's get you updated on what happened in the past week in the NBA playoffs. It's a fun week. We got to get through it real quick because we got a lot to get to in this one. All right, and starting off in the Eastern Conference, you know, we're just going to go right down the list of the matchups. Here we got the one versus eight, Bucks versus Heat. Uh, Heat are actually ahead right now, 2 1. Giannis had that lower back injury that we talked about in the last episode. He has not played in the last two games. They went one and one in those games, absolutely blew the doors off the Heat in game two, then came back to Miami for game three and got kind of worked in that one. It is what it is there. Giannis will be available for game four, though. I mean, hasn't played since game one, but is coming back tonight as I'm recording this. Don't know how that goes just yet because, of course, I'm recording this at really even earlier than usual. It's before noon this time around, so I don't know how it goes. You all can just look over on whatever sporting app that you look for for scores and you can you can look that up right away I suppose but I have no idea at this point um either way the Sixers Celtics series with Giannis's nebulous injury situation it kind of depends on how he looks in game four well I'll be watching that very closely to see how that one works out um with that health situation though Interesting, interesting series coming up in the second round between the Sixers and the Celtics. Kind of getting ahead of myself on the Celtics right now, but we'll get to that in in just a bit. That's going to be a massive, massive series. Could end up being a Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, before the Eastern Conference Finals, basically. Those are the two best teams left probably right now with the with the Giannis Antetokounmpo health situation. Again, we'll have to see how he looks in Game Four, but not looking great right now for the Bucks and how it's going right now. Also. You hate to see it. Victor Oladipo, man, I was watching that live, and man, that just broke my heart. He tore his patellar tendon, and if you knew what you were looking for, you could tell right away. He just went up, 
did not have any push whatsoever on that left knee, goes down immediately holding that patella, and yeah, everyone was just broken up about it. I hate to see it. He's a guy that had so many uh, injuries over and over again over the last several seasons, has not really been able to get it right ever since he came down to Miami as far as those injuries are concerned, and this one... Man, you just hate to see it because he already really wasn't the same player that he was before those injuries. And now he suffered maybe outside of the Achilles, hell, even maybe even more so than an Achilles injury. Probably the most severe injury that you can get as really any any guy playing an explosive sport, especially like Victor Oladipo playing guard in the NBA. That's maybe a career ender right there. You just you hate to see it. Uh, hopefully he had some good injury guarantees there, but I... I have a hard time seeing him getting back in an NBA lineup uh, at any point. And if he does, good for him. It will be a comeback story of all comeback stories. I'd love to see it, but man, you, you just hate to see it. A, a torn patella is just devastating. If you're if you're in one of those explosive sports, just a devastating, devastating injury that's hard to come back for. But like I said, game four of this series, uh, back to the actual basketball of the situation, on Monday night, y'all will know how this thing goes, but I'm recording this well before tip, so... Could either be tied, tied series or a serious hole for the Bucks to climb out of. No matter what, this is this and every other series is going to be decided this week. No series, I think, is lasting beyond Sunday. Game seven at the latest, I think, is on Sunday of this, or I guess next week, however you decide to look at it. But that's what we're looking forward to. All these series will be wrapped up at some point this week. So moving on to the next one, the two versus seven in the East, the Celtics versus Hawks. The Celtics currently lead 3-1 right now. They, they as expected, Trey Young, the Trey Young game did happen. I, I said last week, you can't put it past them. I, I expect, you know, Trey Young come out, ball out in one game, and then get them at least one win in this one. So you get a nice little gentleman sweep. That happened in game three. He scored 32 on 12 of 22 shooting. That, however, feels like the last win the Hawks are going to get. The Celtics came out the next game in game four. Uh, didn't work them necessarily, but won pretty comfortably. And now they can close this thing out tonight when this comes out at home in Boston. Uh, the Sixers are already waiting for them in the second round, though. So let's just talk about them real quick. Sixers versus Nets, pretty much exactly what I thought. Nets got no stars whatsoever. Uh, the unfortunate uh, nickname of Spencer Dinshitty, not really dissuading that name very much. Might be a, a West Brick thing that follows him uh, throughout the course of his career, and hopefully he can overcome that and maybe maybe play a little bit less shitty because he has objectively not played well in this series. The Sixers sweep 4-0. They squandered, the, the Nets rather, squandered their best chance uh, to win a game in game three as sack tap madness came on in full force. And this was this was a problem this weekend. These kids, or uh, kids, they're all probably older or the same age as me, but someone's not raising these guys, right? Right, all right, like Embiid first off, kicked Nick Claxton straight in the nuts when Claxton tried to step over him uh, in the first quarter. Embiid didn't get ejected, which led to later... Harden was the victim of a makeup call, I believe it was in the third quarter, when he inadvertently sack-tapped his defender and got ejected. And you look at the replay on that, big old nothing call. I mean, absolutely nothing that he actually did there. If anything, maybe you could say it was an offensive foul because he looked like he was trying to get a little bit of a push-off there. But that was just inadvertent uh, touching of the sack, telling, telling him what's up there. And he got ejected for it because, I mean, pretty much the most blatant makeup call of all time where they ejected him for that. Uh, Nets still couldn't take advantage, though. They end up losing by five in that one. 
Every single game outside of that game three was decided by double digits for the Sixers, though, and they're playing some straight 90s basketball. I mean, there was not a single one of these that I think uh, outside of the game one uh, where they it was like 122 to 102. Outside of that, all the rest of them were like 90 something versus 80 something. They were just straight up physical defensive basketball. And, and frankly, the Sixers just dominated. And it's not without a little bit of something to worry about, I would say. I, I mean... Joel Embiid, I think he was out for game four, I want to say, with a sprained knee. Uh, MRI apparently didn't look good. I don't know. The the quote that came out from Doc Rivers was nebulous as usual, which probably means it's a big old nothing that he's trying to get in the head of whoever they play in the next series. I don't know. Probably the Celtics, but I guess don't want to put the car before the horse there on that one. Uh, that's when you're going to have to be watching going forward, though. That sprained knee is not inconsequential. It's it's going to be something that we have to watch going forward. But now they do have a whole like week off, basically, to wait, see what the Celtics do. Uh, hopefully, well, maybe not hopefully, but Celtics probably going to end up winning this one. Either way, a week off for MB to rest that knee and uh, see who they they face in the next round. But that, like I said before, that Eastern that that Eastern Conference second round matchup between the Sixers and assuming the Celtics take care of business here in the next game or two, is going to possibly be the winner takes all in the East when it's all said and done. I mean. Credit to the Knicks, credit to uh, the Heat if they end up pulling this one out. Hell, credit to the Bucks if, if Giannis comes back and ends up taking care of business here versus the Heat. But right now, the Sixers and the Celtics look like the best teams in the East right now. And just mention them for a second there. Let's talk about that Cavs versus Knicks series. And really, I thought it would be closer than it was, and there's still a chance for it to get closer. But the Knicks currently have a commanding 3-1 lead, and the Cavs did even the series after that banger in Game 1. I will say after Game 1, they didn't really have a whole lot of good games in this series. It, it just, you know, blowout, blowout, maybe not a blowout necessarily. Game 2 was definitely a blowout. But they're all winning comfortably, essentially. It's not necessarily the most competitive games in the world. But after that game, too, the Knicks just breezed to two straight victories to put them on the doorstep of closing out the series. The Garden is just overpowering, man. I think if you didn't see it, go look up some of the videos from the Garden as this was all going on. I mean, there's the whole crowd... 15-some thousand people singing New York, New York by Frank Sinatra, I think it was. I don't know. I'm not I'm not the, that big in, into the music scene there, uh, especially when it comes to Frank Sinatra. But the scenes there in that arena, just second to none. This is why the Knicks being good is just so great for the league. You get scenes like this. Just no one does it like Madison Square Garden. And those fans are just starving to be insufferable at a basketball game. And I love to see them be insufferable at a basketball game, quite frankly. So it's just good for basketball right now. Good for the NBA. Uh, The under has been the play in this series. A lot like that Sixers net series. Not a single game has reached 200 combined points yet. And I doubt they'll start now, quite frankly. I mean, it's, it's Tom Thibodeau versus the... Uh, Cavs here, and Cavs have been one of the better defensive teams all year, so you got two defensive 
pit bulls out here just duking it out one-on-one the whole time this is also playoff basketball man things kind of slow down uh, the defense ratchets up a little bit it's why the playoffs are a little bit a lot a bit better than the regular season when it's all said and done but commanding 3-1 series for the Knicks here uh, I have a hard time seeing the Cavs roll over the, the roll over in game five it'll probably push to at least six but we'll find out Wednesday night in Cleveland when game five tips off that does it for the Eastern Conference over in the West got the Nuggets versus the Timberwolves Nuggets lead 3-1 had a chance to win this game this series in a sweep last night as I'm recording this on Sunday but outside of game one these have all been relatively close so credit to the T-Wolves for not getting absolutely worked like the Nets did Nuggets had a chance like I said to end things on Sunday but those pesky T-Wolves pushed it to overtime hung around ultimately won it in overtime so 3-1 series right now. Nuggets will get another chance to close this thing out uh, tonight in Game 5. But unless you're a serious NBA fan, no one's going to be watching because it's on NBA TV. And I can't blame them. It's it's Nuggets versus T-Wolves. Not a whole lot of intrigue there in that series. So let's just move on, shall we? Uh, Maybe, well, not the most intriguing, but the second most intriguing. Well, Western Conference has been very good in the first round, so I can't even say this is even the second most intriguing because the Suns-Clippers has been pretty intriguing as well. But Grizzlies-Lakers, I can just finally spit that out. Lakers currently lead 2-1, and Dylan Brooks saw that the sat-tap madness was going on. He obviously watched that uh, Philadelphia-Brooklyn game, on that game three, and said, you know what, I got to get in on this action. He decided to join in on the sat-tap madness in, in his own game three. He got ejected for cup checking LeBron while playing some defense. Then he said the media is quote unquote painting him as a villain after he's the one who said, quote, I poke bears. Makes a lot of sense, Dylan Brooks. Makes a lot of sense. That being said, fun guy to hate, though. I'll I'll tell you what. Makes the NBA more interesting to have guys that are absolute pests like that around. That being said, he he shot the Grizzlies right out of Game 3, man. They scored all of nine points in the first quarter. Uh, A lot of that due in in part to Dylan Brooks just clanging off shots every which way. I think he went 3 for 13 in Game 3. And ultimately, John Morant went out of his mind in the fourth quarter. He finished with 45. Lakers did end up winning by double digits, though, 111 to 101 to take that 2-1 lead. Game four is already finished as you're listening to this, but I have no idea how it went because it's happening after I, like, well after I record, so I've, I've got no idea. You guys know it could either be a 3-1 series for the Lakers or we could have this thing all tied up once again. Still anyone's series heading into Monday night, so that should be a pivotal, pivotal game four to look forward to. Moving on to what is unquestionably the best series in the entire playoffs right now. Kings versus Warriors, light the beam versus the defending NBA champions. Series currently tied 2-2. Like I said, best series in the entire postseason right now. No other no other series is coming even close. I think there's really been maybe one bad game in this entire thing. Maybe two bad games. I've really just one though, because I think the Kings kind of pulled away late in game two. Uh, game three, I mean, Draymond got suspended for that game after stomping on DeMontis Sabonis' chest, nearly breaking his sternum, if you judge by the reaction of DeMontis Sabonis. A little bit of gamesmanship there. We'll never respect the flopping and, you know, the, the soccer-esque, oh, dying sort of thing, because, you know, obviously he was not, and it was not that uh, major of a thing, but ultimately the acting job and Draymond Green's history got him suspended for game three. 
Didn't get them the win, though. The Warriors go back to Oracle. They absolutely thumped the Kings in Game 3. Then Draymond comes off the bench in Game 4, and there you go. Sweep the homestand at Oracle. Series tied back up 2-2. But I'll tell you what. Steph damn near coughed one up in Game 4, man. It could have been 3-1 very easily for the Kings. The final score was like 126-125. to Great game. It's been great games all series in this one. One and four have both been absolute bangers in this series. And I think a lot more people got to watch game four because it wasn't, you know, 10 p.m. kick tip off. We, we've, we've talked about that before. It's, it should be a crime against humanity had to have a 10 p.m. kickoff. But I digress on that front. He turned the ball over, did Steph, by trying to call a timeout when the Warriors had no timeouts to take. Then he shot a floater with like 12 seconds left on the game clock to give the Kings plenty of time for a game-winning shot. And ultimately, luckily, Harrison Barnes was the one that ended up taking that last shot instead of De'Aaron Fox, which it probably should have been. And I think feel like you got to find a way to get the ball to De'Aaron Fox for that shot because it's only a one-point game, and that's your best, most clutch player. I think he won the clutch player of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, get the ball to Harrison Barnes, clanged out harmlessly off the rim as time expired. Series tied 2-2, all water under the bridge for Steph Curry, which usually a very out of character, one of, the, one of the better players in the league and a guy that strikes fear into the hearts of the guys that are trying to defend him when he's behind that three-point line, really anywhere on the court for that matter. But... We are all tied up, heading back to old Sacktown to light the beam for Game 5 on Wednesday night. I maintain, though, 10 p.m. tip-off should be considered a crime against humanity. That's when they're tipping off. And I'll probably be almost asleep by the time uh, the tip-off comes because I'm a boring, boring man. What, what can I say? I'm 27 years old. I work my ass off, and I wake up very, very early. Sue me, I suppose. But there you have it. Best series in the entire uh, slate as of right now. Kings Warriors tied at 2-2, watching that one very closely, or as closely as I can, uh, being a boring old man as I am at the age of 27. Um, in the final series to update here, we got the Suns versus Clippers. The Suns are ahead 3-1 as of right now, and my bad, guys. I forgot that Kawhi's knees are made of made of glass, essentially. Uh, he was nothing short of spectacular in games one and two. I mean, he was scoring like mid-30s game. He scored like 38 in game one. Uh, similar total in game two, but misses game three and four with a knee sprain, both of which won by the Suns. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now the Suns have an opportunity to close out the series tonight at home in Game Five, and Leonard's status is still up in the area, in up in the air uh, at the time of this recording. I'm sure by the time y'all listen to this, it'll be pretty much crystallized what the final verdict is as to whether he's playing or not. But as of right now, commanding lead for the Suns, very great top line they have. Also, still got some health questions there. Who's to say if Kevin Durant can hold up the whole time? Uh, Chris Paul, about as ancient as ancient can get at the point guard position and still be playing relatively effectively, though he's still a shell of his former self, quite frankly, but still playing good enough to distribute the ball around to the other playmakers around him. He's still got eight, and he's still got Devin Booker, who's been spectacular in this series, and he's still got Kevin Durant, who, even if he's shooting like 17 shots a game, still finds a way to get like 25 uh, to 28 every single time out there. Just one of the most one of the most efficient seasons we've ever seen and one of the more efficient players in NBA history. Um, damn shame Kawhi can't stay on the court, though. This was shaping up to be a really fun series uh, in games one and two. But alas, 
Looks like the Suns are going to win this one in either the next game or the game after that. Still time for the Clippers to make a comeback, but we simply can't trust that their best player, Kawhi Leonard, can be on the court on, on a given night, which which kind of sucks. I, I hate to see it, but it is what it is. My my prediction for the Western Conference, the, the Suns to come out of the Western Conference, still looking alive and well, looking very good right now. So I can't complain, quite frankly. And there you have it. That's the NBA playoffs. I got it done in only like, what, probably like 15 minutes or so? Yeah, like 20-ish minutes or so. That's, that's good timing on that for right now. So with that, let's hit a quick headline before we get into the draft needs special here. And really, this is the only headline I'm going to hit because it's, it's the one that Really, it, it can't be reiterated enough. More NFL players have failed the idiot test. Five players got suspended last week for either betting on NFL games or, in one special case, betting on a different sport but doing it from the team facility, which is still a no-no, apparently. We all learn new things every day, though, I suppose. And uh, pretty much all the guys who got popped for, for betting on NFL games were special teamers and... Hate to break it to y'all, you ain't Calvin Ridley. They're suspended indefinitely. NFL careers are likely over. I know at the very very least, uh, Quintez Cephas, CJ Moore, both guys that were in the wide receiver room for the Lions, which was an interesting theme in this one. Seems like a lot of Lions wide receivers ended up getting popped in this little gambling sting. Both of those guys were suspended indefinitely. Both of those guys cut pretty much the second that these suspensions were handed down. I have a hard time seeing them ever getting back in the league again, unfortunately, but you failed the idiot test. It is what it is here, man. Uh, the one big name that did get caught up in all this was the Lions 2022 first round pick wide receiver Jamison Williams, who is the one guy uh, who got caught betting on different sports, but doing it from the facility. It might have been another guy in there, but he was kind of a, a lower level special teamer guy as well in that one. This was like the only like starting starting caliber guy that got popped in this gambling sting. And yeah, betting on other sports is totally above board, apparently, as long as you don't do it on NFL property, which I think pretty much everyone kind of found out when these suspensions got handed down, did not know that betting on sports in general was just verboten inside an NFL facility. But hey, now you know you won't do it again. You got a, got a, a relative slap on the wrist with six games. Still, it's it's to be expected. You got to come down hard on these things if you want to rein in the gambling, especially in the in the modern era when it is so prevalent everywhere. Now is when you kind of got to tighten your grip even more to make sure this sort of thing doesn't happen. And I've said it before. I'll say it again now. You just can't fail the idiot test, man. This is that's what this is. Since time immemorial, players have known that betting on NFL games is the cardinal sin that will get you the heaviest punishment and get you likely banned from the league unless you're like a Calvin Ridley or a Jamison Williams and you're just that special of a talent. Outside of that, though, you just can't do it. And it's not like it could have somehow slipped their minds. There are signs everywhere in these team facilities saying don't bet on games don't gamble uh don't don't do this sorts of things i don't even know if they specify in the team facility on those other sports now that sports gambling has become more prevalent everywhere but still there's signs all over these team facilities to where do not bet gamble on games do not gamble on games you will be slapped over the face with a book about a thousand times uh if you do end up betting on nfl games this, like I said, that's why I say this is the idiot test because you have to be absolutely stupid to think you're going to get away with something like this. I mean, bottom line, you failed the idiot test. You get the book thrown at you. It's simple as that. I don't really feel sorry for the handful of guys uh, who were suspended indefinitely because they should have known how dumb they were being. And they, they had to know as well 
especially if you're doing an online sports betting thing. Uh, a lot of those sports books will not let you use a VPN. If they detect that you're using a VPN, they won't even let you log on. Trust me, I've tried once or twice and it did not work out. And we'll just leave it at that for uh, trying not to incriminate myself and, and whatnot. But even knowing that you don't have a VPN, they track every single person, especially in these online platforms. Well, one, if they see, they got facial recognition in these Vegas, all these casinos. If they see a, an NFL player going into a sports book, you're popped. You're done. It's not happening anymore. And they can track all of your bets accordingly. But especially on these online forums, they have your information. They have your name. Uh, they have a, a flagging system that tells these, these sports books when players bet on, on uh, forbidden games, if you will. And they, they monitor all that stuff. If you think you could get away with this, you are an idiot. And that's why I call this the idiot test, because you have to be stupid, abjectly dumb to think that you can get away with betting on an NFL game. It's just simply not going to happen. But can't spend too much time on this story, though, because I've got a special segment for y'all today. It is the Draft Need Special. And before that, let me get a drink of this ice-cold orange drink over here full of electrolytes. And you already know what time it is. It's the second annual Draft Need Special. I think I did this last year. Otherwise, I'm just totally wrong and I'm just blowing smoke up all of our asses here. But this is where I will try to quickly run through all 32 teams from best to worst and give you the areas I think they need to be focusing on heading into the 2023 NFL Draft. One of my favorite times of the year right now, starting on Thursday. And you know what? I'll tell you what, that... that Thursday draft night, the first round picks the trades. Ooh, it just, ooh, it, it just fills me with such giddy joy watching that sort of thing, or at the very least, following on my phone because every insider ends up tweeting out all the draft picks. Anyways, I digress on that front, though. You all know what it is, just stating what teams need going into the draft, starting from best to worst, reverse standings order. I'm not going through the draft order because obviously Dolphins don't have a draft pick because they tamper with Tom Brady. Uh, the Rams don't have a draft pick because they're stupid. No real other way to put that. Uh, also, the the Broncos don't have a first round draft pick because they you know they got fooled pretty hard by the Seahawks in, into to, you know handing over the entire farm system for Russell Wilson last year. So it's it's easier to just go through reverse. Well, I guess just standings order here, going from best to worst here. So without further ado, let's pop this bad boy open and try to keep this episode under two hours, shall we? And starting off on my long list of tabs that I have open, I got 32 tabs open on my browser right now. My computer's working like a champ right now, not crashing even in the least, and I love to see it. But we're starting off with the Chiefs here, and you go down the roster, um, Defense, not quite as bad as I, I thought it might be. I mean, you got some solid pickups on the defensive line. You drafted George Karloftis last year. You brought in Charles Amenahu, and you still got Chris Jones. And you brought in Danny Shelton. I want to say, actually, Danny Shelton, not the best in the world. You might want to look at some interior defensive linemen. But that's all to say, defense, not quite as bad as I thought it would be coming into uh, last year. Got a great linebacking core. Uh, got a solid secondary. And you added, uh, I guess, Mike Edwards, maybe not the, the, the greatest safety in the world, but a starting captain caliber safety. I think he started last year for the Bucks. The real needs come on the offensive side, I would say. I'm looking at wide receiver and tackle specifically. You lost both starting tackles last year to free agency. Uh, you brought in Jawan Taylor to play left tackle. He's never played left tackle before in his life, but you're paying him the big bucks. So you assume that he'll step in and perform that role. You're not going to be looking for left tackle when you just signed a guy to 
four years, $80 million at that position. So right now, looking at that right tackle, who's to say what Lucas Niang does? But, you know, inside, they still got Joe Turn, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, uh, Trey Smith, all guys that are coming back from last year, if I'm not mistaken. Right tackle is the one you're really looking at to replace there. And at wide receiver, your number one receiver right now is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And obviously, you can say Patrick Mahomes, a lot like the, the Rodgers effect over the last... Uh, several years in Green Bay, really since they won the Super Bowl, uh, you can kind of you, you can kind of skate by with a lesser group of receivers. Uh, still a very fast group. I mean, MVS, very good deep threat. Uh, Kadarius Tony, one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Sky Moore ran like a four-two at last year's combine, but still, that's that's outside of Marquez Valdez Scantling. It's a it's a short, small receiving core, and it's a bunch of guys that are not really not. I mean. I don't know if you'd like to have Kadarius Tony as a number two, quite frankly, and Sky Moore as number three. I mean, that's okay, but really, you've got no real number one and a bunch of number threes or better. You need better depth at the wide receiver position, and you need you need one of those those beasts to come out there. I'm not really sure it's a it's a particularly deep receiver draft. Um, it's not a bad receiving. It, it's it's not a good receiving draft. I'll put it to you that way. But it's not a bad receiving draft either. So. Maybe later in the first round, I'm not sure if there's anyone that's going to be just sitting there waiting for them to get picked, but you got to add someone, I think, at the wide receiver position as well as that right tackle position, and let's let's X out the first of these tabs, and let's go on to the second one here. We got the Philadelphia Eagles here, and I'm looking at their roster. Uh, they lost a bunch of guys in free agency. That being said, still a very good offensive skill position uh, group. Uh, they kept all their starting three wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watt. All coming back from last year. Uh, the backfield, still one of the deepest backfields in the entire NFL. They go a legit three deep. They were four deep last year. They did lose Miles Sanders, but you bring in Rashad Penny on a, on a very uh, manageable deal. I mean, less than $2 million. That's an absolute steal for a guy that, when he's healthy, averages damn near six yards of carry when he's out there. You still got Kenneth Gainwell. You still got Boston Scott. So, not really too worried about that. And do I need to say anything about Jalen Hurts? I probably don't. But outside of that, Interior offensive line. They did lose um, oh, Isaac Sayamalu to the to the Eagles. Not no, he was just on the Eagles. I'm talking about the Eagles. Lost him to the Steelers in this offseason. Uh, you do still have Landon Dickerson. Uh, you do still have Jason Kelsey in there, but. Uh, right guard Cam Jurgens. We'll have to see how he does. Could not hurt to go out there and and get another guard in there. I mean, Josh Sills did not know he was still on this roster. That's. That's a guy that I wish would not be in the NFL anymore, but don't need to relitigate all of that right now. I will say, offense still looking pretty solid, though. Not a, not a whole lot of holes over there, but if you had to nitpick one, probably looking at that guard position, if I had to say. Outside of that, though, defense is really where the, the loss has kind of accumulated over the offseason. You lost a bunch of linebackers. Uh, you, you lost the best interior defensive line that you had uh, last year in a guy whose name is escaping me right now, but went to the 49ers. My goodness, I have no idea. Javon Hargrave. How did I forget Javon Hargrave? One of the best defensive tackles in the entire NFL. Obviously, you drafted Jordan Davis last year. He's going to be stepping into that starting lineup this year. We'll have to see how he does there. And you still got Fletcher Cox, but Fletcher Cox is long in the tooth. Probably not going to keep him for too much longer before he hits retirement. Probably going to want to uh, look into some defensive line there. Linebackers where you really need to look right now. And there's it's a whole lot of unproven commodities right now. You got Nicholas Morrow. Uh, Hassan Reddick is coming back. Well, 
I don't know if he's coming back or if he got signed in free agency. I can't quite remember, frankly. Uh, you got N'Kobe Dean stepping in at middle linebacker for his first year. I feel very good about N'Kobe Dean, quite frankly. He was one of the smartest players in college football when he came out last year and just kind of got buried in the depth chart because that linebacking core ended up being so strong in a way that I did not expect last year. That being said, uh, you probably got to build up some depth there. Probably got to look into maybe bringing another guy uh, in that linebacking core. Outside of that, though, one of the better uh, secondaries in the entire league. I mean, you got Bradbury and Slay coming back. Uh, you bring in Terrell Edmonds. Uh, also, Reed Blankenship, you're probably going to want to look into safety as well. I don't know why I didn't put safety in there. Uh, Terrell Edmonds is okay. Reed Blankenship I don't, I don't really know. I think he was an undrafted rookie last year or two years ago, whenever he came in. Uh, you're probably going to want to look at safety as well. It's not the strongest safety draft in the entire world, but one you're probably going to want to uh, bring in a guy or two. A lot of the... Uh, the moral of the story is here, though, a lot of the holes are on the defensive side of the ball. That's probably where they're going to be focusing a lot of their efforts. That being said, would not be surprised at all if they just they just pulled the fuck it button uh, or chain, whatever you want to call it, and drafted B. John Robinson 10 overall, because that would just be, oh my goodness, B. John Robinson in that running scheme. My goodness, does that sound like that? That just sounds like sex on my television right there. But outside of that, they got a lot of needs in the defensive side, and I'll be interested to see how they address those throughout the course of this season. Obviously, they still got a very solid pass rush, so uh, not not a whole lot of holes to fill. I think they should still be right there at the top of the division, but there are some things that they need to address on the defensive side of the ball. Now we're closing the second tab uh, that is open right now, and moving on to the third team on the list, we got the Buffalo Bills, and Mostly, I mean, probably going to look into uh, getting a wide receiver. I mean, their, their third wide receiver right now is Khalil Shakir, who not really a proven commodity outside of that. They got some some fast guys that they brought in, uh, like uh, they think they brought in Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy. Really, they're just like, hey, we got Josh Allen, so we're gonna we're gonna chuck it deep basically every down. Might as well just get a bunch of fast guys, and can't blame them for that. But at the same time, if your third wide receiver is Khalil Shakir, you probably need to bring in another wide receiver this offseason. Um, outside of that, though, really just general offensive line, uh, interior offensive line in specific, they didn't really get a whole lot of push up front. Obviously, you still got Deion Dawkins out there, who is a solid left tackle. You got Connor McGovern, who's a, who's a solid pickup there as well. Mitch Morse and Ryan Bates, not really proven commodities in my book. And they didn't really have a very good running game last year. That kind of comes down to what the interior of that offensive line was doing. So I think that's a that's a, that's a area of the team that you need to address as well. And really, defense doesn't look too bad. I mean, you still got Greg Russo, Ed Oliver, uh, Daquan Jones, Vaughn Miller. I think all those guys are, are guys that are coming back from last year's team, but you did end up losing Tremaine Edmonds to free agency to those stupid Bears. So a lot of linebacker questions right now. I'd like to see them address some of that in this year's draft as well. Outside of that, though, I mean, still a solid team. I mean, they got Tredavious White, Dane Jackson, who they just drafted. Uh, You got Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, both coming back. You signed Taylor Rapp. 
uh, just in case Micah Hyde can't go or Jordan Poyer has some sort of injury situation. Uh, we'll have to see how DeMar Hamlin does coming back from uh, his heart situation. He got cleared over the past week, so good news there. But it's a deep secondary. I don't really think you got to address that too much. Just kind of the linebacking core and the offensive line you probably got to address if you want to make this team stronger going into the next season. Also, the wide receivers. Khalil Shakir at the third wide receiver spot. I'd like to see him do a little bit better than that uh, going forward. With that, though, let's move on to the 49ers up next. We have got those guys and still one of the better teams in the entire league right now. I mean, uh, Juwan Jennings is their third receiver. You might want to add another receiver in there as well. But you still got Debo. You still got Brandon Ayuk. uh, You got Christian McCaffrey. Who who the hell knows what's going to happen at quarterback, but... They're not going to draft a quarterback, I'll tell you that right now. It's either going to be Trey Lance or it's going to be Brock Purdy. It looks like Brock Purdy is the one they're leaning towards at the moment. But really, the one hole on the offense is offensive line. I think they lost uh, lost a right tackle, Mike McGlinchey. They lost some interior linemen as well. That's, a, that's an area that they're probably going to need to address, get some young blood in there to kind of bolster up that offensive line. The Shanahan run scheme does do them a lot of favors as far as you know helping them out, maybe not putting them in some bad positions. But at the same time, you need to keep that offensive line stocked if you want to keep uh, being productive in that running game. And of course, still got Christian McCaffrey, still got Elijah Mitchell. So not the worst situation in the world that you find yourself in, but still, you're going to want to keep that offensive line covered nice and stocked. And as far as the defense is concerned, I mean, still one of the best defenses in the entire league. I mean, I Drake Jackson, totally unproven commodity. So we'll have to see how that works out at the left defensive end. But you got Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, and Nick Boza outside of him a killer defensive line. One of the best defensive lines in the entire league. And he's still got Dre Greenlaw and and Fred Warner. That being said, Oren Burks at the other linebacker position, which is why I am saying no no disrespect to Oren Burks. He's just an unproven commodity. So I would say probably going to want to add some linebacker depth there just in case uh, that doesn't work out with Oren Burks. Maybe you need to uh, delve into uh, the, the well a little bit, if you will. Uh, probably going to want to bolster that a little bit. And I mean, the safety is pretty much, not the safety, the the secondary is pretty much exactly who they had last year. I think Deshaun Gibson is the guy that that steps in there. Um, They got, still got Traverius Ward. You still got Diamador Lamar, hope I, Lenore, hope I pronounced that thing right. Uh, And you got Talanoa Hufanka, one of the, the great names in the entire league. So overall, still a very good defense. And as long as they get some good play calling, obviously you lost, uh, D'Amico Ryans to the, the Texans head coaching job over there. But as long as they get some good play calling, I think they do end up still being a very good defense. I think they still probably end up running away with this division when it's all said and done. Uh, but the, you know, look at that O-line, look at that linebacker depth. They'll be right back to where they were last year, uh, assuming that the quarterback situation goes as planned, which who the hell ever knows with the, with the San Francisco 49ers. But I digress. With that Let's move on to my boys. The Minnesota Vikings finished 13-4 last year. And I'll tell you what, got some holes to fill. Got got a lot of holes to fill. In fact, uh, first and foremost, third wide receiver is Jalen Rager right now. A guy who I despise is probably strong, but I don't think Jalen Rager is that good. And him being the third receiver, not that great. I like K.J. Osborne. Do I need to say anything about Justin Jefferson? Probably not. But... 
Got to get some depth in there with the wide receiver core. I'd like to see them take a wide receiver at some point. Outside of that, though, on the offense, uh, Dalvin Cook, it's looking more and more like he won't even be on the team this year. Uh, probably a post-June 1 designated cut unless someone trades for him uh, on draft night. And outside of that, you're, you're now looking straight and right down the barrel of how an Alexander Madison, Kanae Wangwu, and Ty Chandler in that backfield, which is to say probably going to want to draft a running back this year if I had to guess. Um, but that's really all that really jumps out in the offensive line. Got the exact same, or in, in the, the offensive side of the ball, got the exact same starters outside of that. Full, full same slate on the offensive line. You got Christian Derrissaw, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, who you'll expect a big jump from him in year two. And then you got right tackle Brian O'Neill coming off that season-ending injury uh, from last year. So still looking solid on the offense, and you still got Kevin O'Connell calling the plays. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with Kirk Cousins, but that's neither here nor there. We might take a quarterback in this year's draft is what I'm getting at there, but Who's to say? It's going to be an exciting draft night, if nothing else. We'll see what direction they're they're really looking to lean into. Um, some big holes in the defensive side, though. I'm looking at cornerback, and I'm looking at defensive tackle. Cornerback is just, it's a tale as old as time right now. What, what can I say? We're drafting, I think, like seven of the last 10 drafts, uh, the Vikings have drafted a cornerback, and looks like we're going, in the, in the first round, that is, looks like we're going for eight out of the last 11 right now, though, because... Right now, the starting, well, actually, that's not true because we just signed Byron Murphy, right? So, Caleb Evans is probably going to be the slot, slot corner, and we're looking at Andrew Booth Jr., who did not play at all last year, basically, and you got Byron Murphy, who, solid pickup, but those are basically your top two... Um, your, your top two corners right now. And you got Cam Bynum at safety, still Harrison Smith at, at strong safety as well. So not a, not a bad little group there at safety. And also you got Lewis Seen coming in off the bench. Last year's first round pick, we'll have to see how he looks coming off that, that massive uh, leg injury that he suffered last year early on in London. That's what I'm looking at though. I'm looking at cornerback. I'm looking at defensive tackle. Uh, as far as the, the linebackers are concerned, I mean, I mean, could be worse. We've got, we've got Marcus Davenport and Daniil Hunter, as well as Zadarius Smith. So pass rusher, pretty stacked on that front. Uh, Brian Asamoah played well last year. Also, you got Jordan Hicks, who played all right last year. Nothing really right home about. Also, we signed Troy Reader. So not a not a real bad uh, group on, on the, the linebacking core. But really not a whole lot of depth on, on the defensive line. It was kind of a problem we had last year as well. I mean, we signed Dean Lowry, got Kyrus Tonga and um, Harrison Phillips as well. Probably going to want to uh, add in another guy or two in there just to kind of round out the, the thing. But I think we'll probably look better as long as, you know, Brian Flores comes in as advertised. I got no real worries on that front though. So we'll just keep it moving. That's what I'm looking at right, right now. Corner, running back, defensive tackle, wide receiver for the Vikings. They got the work cut out for them in this draft and a limited amount of draft picks to do it because, I mean, can't blame them. They, they used some draft picks to bring in uh, at least uh, TJ Hawkinson in, last, last, in the middle of last year. So we'll have to see what uh, old Kwesi Adolfo Mensa can do in the draft. Uh, let's move on to the Bengals, though. Up next, we got, um, what, am I, what am I looking at here? Uh, of course, safety. They lost both their safeties in free agency, so you got to find someone to fill in that hole there. Uh, running back, because whew, Joe Mixon, it's, it's looking more and more like he's in quite a sticky legal situation over there uh, in Cincinnati with, with all that, that domestic violence stuff going on. That's a pattern of behavior, so we'll have to see if he ends up being on the team. And behind him, 
Uh, you just lost uh, Samaj P. Ryan in free agency this last year, so you're probably going to look. It's it's a perpetually deep running back class every single year in the draft, so you might as well just take one. And you know, just in case you, you decide to move on from Joe Mixon, which he's a very high-priced running back with character issues at this point, so wouldn't be surprised if they do that, especially on a post-June one designation. Probably a good time to draft a running back if I had to say so. Also, probably a good time to bring in cornerbacks. They got Cam Taylor-Britt and Chidobe Awuzie, which, you know, Chido Awuzie is still a solid uh, left cornerback. Um, outside of that, though, very thin on the secondary, really secondary in general, from safety to cornerback there. They did bring in Nick Scott, which is a good guy to uh, to bring in there. I think he brought in from the Rams. Well, I mean, basically everyone just went to the Rams for their shopping purposes over the course of this offseason. But yeah, you got some real questions outside of that in, in the... Um, on the defensive side of the ball. Offense, still one of the best wide receiver cores in the entire league. Uh, they just keep adding guys on the offensive line, which is going to be interesting to watch, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, it's a good way to build a team. So, I mean, I got no real questions about them on offense. I think they'll probably figure it out at running back. Uh, the secondary is going to be a problem for them, though, so they really need to hit that hard this coming offseason as well. Uh, moving on to the next one, we got the Cowboys up next. And uh, I'm looking at for the Cowboys. It's probably, I mean, that offensive line getting a little bit old. You got Tyron Smith and Zach Martin anchoring the right side. Both guys that are aging. Uh, Zach Martin still very good guard right now. Tyron Smith just seems to be an injury waiting to happen basically every time he's out there. You still got Tyler Biotish out there, who I think he played well last season. But uh, Chuma Doga at left, left guard. Tyler Smith at left tackle. That's probably... Uh, the one area that you don't really need to look at because, I mean, he's playing well. They drafted him to replace Tyron Smith. Essentially, he did over there at left tackle, and he's been playing fairly well. But outside of Tyler Smith, probably going to be looking at uh, slowly replacing all of those guys along that offensive line. So that's an area that they're probably going to be looking at. Uh, tight end, they lost uh, Dalton Schultz to the Texans over this this offseason. So they got Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot as the second uh, tight end right now, probably an area you're going to want to look into, especially in a very deep tight end class. I would not be surprised at all if they decided to go with one of those big time tight ends in the first round, be it Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, uh, uh, Luke Musgrove, almost said Joe Musgrove. That's a pitcher. I mean, that's not, not the same guy at all, but tons of tight ends that could go in the first round. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going that way uh, with their pick. Also looking on the defensive side, Probably a good time to look into linebacker. I mean, without Leighton Vander Esch in there, it is a bear, bear cupboard. And obviously, they got Micah, Micah Parsons listed as a, an off-ball linebacker. That's not how this thing works. He's a pass rusher. We all know it. That's just kind of he, – he's a skeleton key type of player. He could play all of the defense, but he's a pass rusher through and through, and that's where he's he brings the most value to a team. Without Leighton Vander Esch, though, it is, a, it is a skeleton crew right now. So you're going to want to get a bunch of linebackers, I would say, in this draft. Maybe not the best time to be looking at linebackers. It's not the, the strongest draft to be bringing in a linebacker, but that's really where the needs arise. I mean, you still got, you bring in Stephon Gilmore, who who's to say how he looks this, this coming season after, I mean, he had a good season last year, but he's an aging guy, aging cornerback at that. So no real telling how long that that's that pace of play or that level of play is going to keep up. Um, still got Jaron Curse and Donovan Wilson, who were their starters last year at safety, though, and Trevon Diggs over at the other cornerback spot. So not really a whole lot of uh, not not really a whole lot of question marks 
on that on that secondary. Just look at those linebackers. Probably going to bring in some new guys. And he's still got a fairly solid defensive line uh, between Micah Parsons. He got Dorrance Armstrong, Marcus Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, inside, not really a whole lot of proven commodities, but you know some guys that you can you can work with when it's all said and done. So that's what I'm looking at: offensive line, tight end, linebacker for the Cowboys in this particular draft. Moving on, and hell, I'm not even sure we're 10 teams into this, and we, this is a marathon right now, boys and girls. I'm hoping you're enjoying this. I'm talking about a million miles an hour, and I'm still not hardly making a dent in this thing, but let's, let's just move on. Right now, it's the Chargers. We got them up next, and I am looking on offense. Really? I mean, the, the, the offensive line, probably something you want to address a little bit, but you still got Rashawn, Rashawn Slater. You drafted Zion Johnson last year. You got Corey Lindsley at center. It's not the worst, uh, not the worst group on the entire team. So, excuse me, you can probably get away with not necessarily drafting anyone. I would probably want to go in there, maybe make a later round sort of, or, or a mid round sort of investment there on the offensive line. But the real area of need I see right now, probably wide receiver. And of course, top of the line, you look at it, you may think, hey, Caleb. Why are you saying to bring in a wide receiver? You got Keenan Allen, you got Mike Williams, and you got Joshua Palmer. Well, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missed a bunch of games last year, and they've missed a bunch of games throughout the course of their careers. So I think, I mean, last year they had both Williams and Allen out at one time. Joshua Palmer was the number one wide receiver. And outside of that, you were absolutely bereft of talent on the outside. And in the interest of not having that happen again, and you know, getting some some injury uh, insurance, if you will, for some of those guys, probably going to want to bring in a wide receiver. You know, probably a mid round sort of selection. I don't know if you uh, go out there and get one in the first round, but that's that's an area that they should probably be looking to upgrade and, and bolster up throughout the course of this off season. Outside of that, though, offense doesn't look too bad. I mean, Austin Eckler, sorry, bud, you're going to be in town, unfortunately, and you still got Joshua Kelly behind him and. Isaiah Spiller, I mean, he was he was serviceable whenever he came in there, so I got no real questions about that whatsoever. Just look at that uh, look, look at that wide receiver core. Maybe look at, at bolstering up that offensive line. You'll be you'll be right as rain over there in LA. On the defense, though, uh, still got solid group over there uh, as far as the the linebackers are concerned. Still got Khalil Mack. Still got Joey Boza, who when they're combined. Very, very good tandem. One of the best tandems in the entire league. Uh, still got returning guys like Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox on the defensive line. I think all those guys are coming back from last year. And we'll have to see, though. The, the real thing I'm looking at is the secondary right now. J.C. Jackson, a guy that missed most of last year with an injury. Who's to say if he can stay healthy this time around? You still got Asante Samuel Jr., though, so that's, that's not bad. Uh, next to Derwin James, though, I'm looking at safety as the main need on this defense. You got Alohi Gilman, Alohi Aloha, probably Aloha to the bench if I had to guess because I'm not sure he's going to be the guy that starts their day one. I think they probably end up uh, maybe not doing it in the first round, but really looking into one of these safeties to bring in to try and bolster up that secondary a little bit because it's basically just Derwin James covering up all sorts of holes everywhere and not really a whole lot of help from the other safety back there. So probably a, a, an area they're going to be investing some some capital in, if you will, in the draft variety. And outside of that, I mean, still a very solid team uh, with, with the Chargers. The, the question really is and has always been, 
will the head coach put them in a good situation to succeed? Uh, will will he end up being the guy that we expected him to be? Uh, obviously, I forget his name right now because I'm I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a bad NFL analyst. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, you know, Brand, Brandon Staley finally came to me at some point. My my brain is just spinning around in circles, so I apologize for that. But will he end up putting this team in good positions to win? It, that that's really what it comes down to. They finished ten and seven. They blew up a giant lead in the playoffs last year. If they want to not do that, probably going to want to focus a little bit more energy on the defensive side, specifically in the secondary in this coming season. But let's move on to the next one on the list. It is the Baltimore Ravens. And setting the the uncertainty at quarterback aside, they've still got some, some big holes to fill. Firstly, starting off with the offense, wide receiver, what else is new? They never have any wide receivers. I mean, they bring in Odell Beckham Jr., not really sure what he's going to look like. Uh, but you got Rashad Bateman, who is seemingly never healthy, and you got Devin Duvernay, who is, you would prefer him to be kind of the fourth receiver slash returner. He's a very good returner, not necessarily a guy you want to be your third receiver. So you, you're probably going to want to bring in some solid talent in, in the wide receiver core. Outside of that, though, uh, they lost uh, Ben Powers in, in uh, I believe, free agency. Not, I believe it was free agency. Still got Tyler Linderbaum that you got there in there last year in the draft, but Losing Ben Powers, you currently got Kevin Zeitler starting at right guard. Probably not something that you want to uh, have going throughout the, the course of the year. Not really sure if you can trust Zeitler to stay healthy for all that time. But an area that you're going to want to look into in this draft, you, tackle at the very least, you got Ronnie Stanley and Morgan Moses. So you're just really kind of focusing on the interior of that offensive line, the guard specifically, to kind of bolster up the, uh, bolster up the, the group there. Uh, outside of that, though, Still a great group of runners. If Lamar Jackson comes back, they'll probably have one of the best running games in the entire league just by virtue of having him on the team. And he's still got one of the three best tight ends in the entire league in Mark Andrews. So really just offensive line, wide receivers are areas that you got to look into on the offense. On the defensive side, a couple holes to fill there as well. Defensive line, uh, they lost a couple guys in free agency this year and Adafe Owe has simply not been working out the way they wanted him to. Uh, Tyus Bowser, still a, a solid guy to have out there. And he's still got a solid group of linebackers, but right now we're looking stra staring straight down the barrel of your starting three on the defensive line being Justin Matabuke, Michael Pierce, and Broderick Washington, which is not something that should probably be a thing going into next year. They will address that accordingly, I would imagine. So there you have it for the Ravens right there. Defensive line, cornerback, wide receiver, and guard are the areas of need you're looking into. Also, probably should sign your quarterback to a long-term deal where I doubt he's going to show up, but that's a, that's a situation that's going to get louder and louder as the offseason goes along, if you can even imagine that. Uh, let's move on to the next one, though. We've got the New York Giants. Almost hit San Francisco Giants. I'm a baseball guy now. So, I mean, just I got Giants in my head, but not the ones that are in the football world for once in, in the world. But I digress on that front. What did the Giants need more than anything else last year? If you said wide receiver, ding, 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 you get a cookie, all right? But that's what, that's what we're looking at right now. Right now, the number one receiver slotted right now is Isaiah Hodgins. Then you got Paris Campbell and Darius Slayton, which... Again, they're in a situation where you got a bunch of guys who would be very, very comfortable with being third receivers. Not a one of those guys I would be comfortable with being a number one receiver. You've got to, got to, got to attack that wide receiver group in this draft and bolster that if you want to have an improvement on offense more so than what you had on, on last year. Uh, in addition to just Daniel Jones being in the system for a second year in a row, that'll probably help, but you need better receivers 
for him to throw to if you want to see a market improvement. You did get Darren Waller, which is going to help things, but you need to bolster that wide receiver core when it's all said and done. Outside of that, though, looking at interior offensive line. Right now, it's uh, Ben Bredesen, Mark Lewinsky, and Shane Lemieux in that three starting interior line slots. And that's simply not going to cut it. You're going to have to bolster that a little bit. You st- obviously, you got Evan Neal. You got Andrew Thomas, two very solid uh, tackles out there. So you just got to bolster the interior. Op- and, you know, uh, Brian Dayball, I have a real habit of forgetting coaches' names today. But Brian Dayball, very, very solid at scheming up the run game, helping out, especially having a running quarterback helps a lot as well. But bolstering that interior will help even more so. You don't want to end up like the Bills on the other side of things. So going to want to bolster that interior line. As far as the defense is concerned, really a solid group when you look at it. I mean, you got a good good group of defensive linemen between Dexter Lawrence and, and Leonard Williams, Jihad, Jihad Ward. Really, quite a quite a slip of the tongue there. But Jihad Ward, uh, maybe not the most proven commodity in the world, but you know, playing playing him next to Dexter Lawrence and then Leonard Williams probably going to end up paying dividends for him. Got a solid group of linebackers as well. Uh, after drafting Kayvon Thibodeau last year, Azizo Jolari's got some solid uh, pass rushers. I'm looking at specifically the safeties, though. They lost a couple guys in free agency this year. Right now, you got Bobby McCain and you got Xavier McKinney at the starting safety spots right now. I'd like to see them add another guy or two in that safety room, in that that uh, that wide not wide receiver, Jesus, in the in the secondary room, kind of bolster things back there. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it on the defensive side. They really, uh, for all the all the griping we did about them or I did about them preseason last year, I mean they've still got Wink Martindale. They they've still got a very solid front seven, which carried them to a lot of solid defensive performances last year. And you know, all right group of corners. You still got a Dory Jackson, Cordell Flott. Maybe you want to uh, bolster the, the the depth there a little bit. Really, just general secondary is what you need to focus on on the defensive side there. So for the Giants, it's wide receiver, interior offensive line, and. Oh, I did say just safety, but secondary overall is something you're going to want to look at for the Giants right now. And up next, moving on to the second page of this draft need special here. We are moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. My real breakout candidate for this season right now, because they really don't have a whole lot of holes. And I'll tell you what, one of the holes they do have, I mean, as far as offense is concerned, I mean, the, the wide receiver core, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, uh, and you got a, a solid group of, of depth guys in there. Also, you got Evan Ingram as far as the weapons are concerned. And Travis Etienne out of the backfield, one of the best sets of weapons in the entire league. And I think Doug Peterson is going to have a fun time scheming that one up this year. But fact of the matter is they lost their right tackle, Jawan Taylor, in free agency. Just talked about him being with the Chiefs, making that move and that pay bump over to left tackle. But uh, outside of him, you still got some some holes to fill in the interior as well. Really just offensive line in general, an area that they're probably going to need to address over there in Jacksonville. Outside of that, though, the weapons are just overpowering for the Jaguars right now, which is not something we've really ever said in the past several years down there in Jacksonville. Outside of that, on the defensive side, really, I mean, they've drafted nothing but defensive linemen for I believe like the last 10 years it feels like in the first round so I mean not not really a whole lot of holes there you you expect those guys to step up solid group of linebackers as well you just drafted Trevon Walker number one overall last year so I don't really need to focus on that also you got uh, Foye Olokun 
totally butchered that name, uh, or Luakim, however you pronounce that, and Devin Lloyd as well. So really not a whole lot to focus on there. What I'm looking at right now for the Jags is cornerback. Uh, they've got Darius Williams in there, which is a solid guy, but Tyson Campbell, maybe not a guy that you want to you want to necessarily ride with. A solid enough corner, but a guy that you probably want to uh, build depth behind if you are going to end up having him be the uh, the, the the go-to corner there opposite of, of Darius Williams. So really solid group of defenders outside of him, but um, Andre Sisco played well, Rayshon Jenkins uh, stepping into uh, a role there as the, as the strong safety. Really a solid group of safeties just going to want to bolster up that cornerback room a little bit as we go forward here. And that's that's pretty much it. I think the, the, the Jaguars right now, they've got the strongest roster in the AFC South, which may not be saying much because it's still not a very good division. But that offense looks good. That defense is starting to really, really round into form. I think the, these Jags... Might end up being 10, 11 wins, maybe even pushing for 12 if they get lucky at some point. Watch out for the Jaguars this season, man. They are looking stronger than they have in a long, long time over there in Jacksonville. But let's move on to the next one. We got the Dolphins also sitting there at 9-8 and eight last year. And for them, really... I don't see a whole lot of uh, I don't see a whole lot of areas where they need to improve on offense. I think they got pretty much everyone coming back on the offensive line. Uh, I, I could be wrong on that, but so sue me if I am. Um, wide receivers, they got everyone coming back there as well. I mean, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, solid group there. Uh, Durham Smythe, a guy that probably fits the offense a little bit better. I mean, maybe you want to get a tight end in there, uh, given how strong this class is. But offense, not really much I'm, I'm really looking at here. I think it's, a, it's just a solid group of guys. On defense, really? Very good defensive line. Brought in Jalen well, brought in Jalen Phillips in the draft a couple years ago, or yeah, a couple years ago at this point. Brought in Bradley Chubb on a trade last year. And now you got, I mean... Really, just a solid group overall in that front seven. So I'm looking at, well, really, in the, in the, the back end, probably more solid than the actual linebackers. But that's, that's where we're getting to the crux of the issue here. I'm thinking inside linebacker is, is a part where, or an area where they really need to, to step up their game a little bit. Right now, it's David Long Jr., who, if he's on the field, he's an explosive talent and could really be a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber sort of player. But outside of him, it's it's Jerome Baker, who's a bit of an unproven commodity and not really a whole lot of depth behind either of those guys. So probably going to want to bolster up the, the, the depth chart a little bit there and bring in some inside linebackers. But as far as the Dolphins go, it's really just defensive needs right now. It's nose tackle. It's inside linebacker at this point right now. I mean, talking about Raekwon Davis, talking about an unproven commodity. Those are really the, uh, the two areas I'm looking at right now for the Dolphins. Offensively, looking good defensively. Uh, they were okay at best last year, bad at worst. So they just need to bolster that side of the, uh, the the aisle. And, you know, it's a strong division, but they could still be pushing for another playoff spot next year if they play their cards right. And uh, with that, let's get into uh, another NFC team, if you will, the Seattle Seahawks right now. And really, they punched above their weight class a little bit last year. And they got some some holes to fill when it's all said and done here. They do have a high high draft pick right now so they could they could really bolster that up very quickly but as far as I see it I'm looking at a nose tackle uh secondary as well I mean obviously you bring in Tariq Wollen last year but Mike Jackson opposite him Jamal Adams who has never really been a great uh 
uh, pass defender, if you will. Uh, Quandre Diggs is an okay safety, but really just secondary in general. You need more bodies out there if you want to keep up with with some of these these guys that they're throwing the ball out there. Um, as far as the linebackers, I got really no no qualms out there. You're probably gonna bring in like a pass rusher or something if you if I had to say. But you know, Echenowosu, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks. Not not a bad group out there. Obviously, you need some. Like I said, you need some some pass rush, but the guys that are in there pretty solid when it's all said and done. So I can't really complain about that. Looking at though at nose tackle, nose tackle is where I'm I'm really uh, focusing my ire, if you will. Ire is probably the wrong word, but you get it. Um, they didn't really bring in anyone last year. All they really did was lose, and now they got Brian Moan in there. Uh, not really not really a, a household name, if you will. So probably someone that they're probably going to... Also, no depth behind uh, Brian Moan either. They got no backup listed on the depth chart right now, so I'd imagine they're going to be hitting that one fairly hard on the defensive side. As far as the offense goes... Uh, you got lucky as hell last year. Maybe not lucky, but I mean, is it better to be good or lucky? I think you were a little bit of both last year, uh, John Schneider, in the uh, in the, the drafting department. First two picks of the draft, you, you draft Charles Cross and you draft Abraham Lucas. You got your two franchise tackles for the, last, for the next however many years you need. Now you should look at the interior of the offensive line. Not really uh, a, a group of household names there on the interior right now. Uh, you got Damian Lewis, Joey Hunt, and... Evan Brown right now. So like I said, probably an area that you're going to want to look into. Oh, oh, by the way, Greg Island, shout out to the Mississippi State faithful here. I I mean, Charles Cross and Greg Island being on the same team. I'll tell you what, Seattle, they're a friend of Mississippi State. I'll tell you what, right now. Uh, That being said, no disrespect to my boy Greg, probably going to want to draft some more depth in and around and behind uh, on that uh, offensive line in the interior there, guard, center, right guard, you name it. Probably a good area of, of need for them to look at. I'm also looking at wide receiver right now. Obviously, you got DK Metcalf, you got Tyler Lockett. Uh, Lockett's getting a little bit long in the tooth, though, and then for the third receiver, you just drafted D. Eskridge, but he didn't really play that well last year, and you don't really have a whole lot of depth behind D. Eskridge, so Wide receiver depth, something you're probably going to want to look at in this year's draft. Uh, also, maybe a QB. Geno Smith is essentially on a one-year deal uh, with a, with an option after this year. So maybe they take a flyer on a quarterback. Maybe they don't. Uh, kind of just depends on, on what they're feeling at this point in the, in the operation here. Uh, but wide receiver is the area you really need to focus on as far as the skill positions. Interior offensive line is the point where you want to focus on uh, in the big boys department. Uh, outside of that, though, Solid team. Maybe they don't. Maybe they punched a little bit above their weight class last year. Not really sure how they're going to look this year. Probably going to be around the same level, maybe nine and eight. But I think they should have a better roster when it's all said and done. I think they they can do some real good in this draft. They got some very fixable problems that they can really uh, rectify right away if they really want to uh, in this upcoming draft. And boy, we are just crossing the hour mark and we got a bunch of teams to get to. So let's just keep this thing moving right now. We are moving on to the Lions, and of course. They traded away TJ Hawkinson last year. Right now, we got uh, Brock Wright stated to start, slated to start. So, with that, obviously, I think the Titans, not the Titans, the Lions need a tight end. Maybe they look at a quarterback, but you got some other pressing issues right now. Tight end is the area that I'm really looking at for them to uh, go with in the uh, in, in the huh. I guess you could call it a skill position department. Outside of that, the wide receiver, I mean, Jamison Williams did just get suspended, but even before Jamison Williams was suspended, your third receiver, your third receiver right now is Marvin Jones Jr., which three years ago probably would not have been a bad guy to have as your third receiver. As far as the 2023 version of Marvin Jones, 
a guy that you may want to uh, may want to look into bolstering uh, ahead of or behind. Uh, really, Amon Ross St. Brown, not really much to say about him. He's a solid number one wide receiver. When Jamison Williams comes back, he's going to be a solid number two, if I had to guess. Marvin Jones right now, not a guy that you want as your number three. So probably going to want to build some uh, depth as far as that is concerned. Uh, outside of that, one of the better offensive lines in the league. So not really a whole lot of uh, not really a whole lot of issues I got with that right now. And Jared Goff, he's he's been serviceable when you got a, a running game like they do. Not really a whole lot of uh, worry about the quarterback at this point in time. They're still not necessarily, they're on the doorstep of, of building a Super Bowl contender, but they're still probably uh, a year out, if I had to guess. Uh, on the defensive side, they addressed a lot of problems in this free agency, man. I mean, still, uh, I mean, you bring in Emmanuel Mosley, excuse me, you bring in Cameron Sutton, you bring in C.J. Gardner-Johnson, um... Right there, I think you've really addressed a lot of the problems in the secondary. Maybe you bring in another guy right right there, maybe a, a mid-later-round sort of investment, but you've fixed a lot of problems in the secondary through the free agency investments this year. So what I'm looking at in particular is the interior defensive line. You got right now Isaiah Bugs and Aleem McNeil as your starting interior defensive lineman. Charles Harris played well last season. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, they drafted him uh, second or third overall. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but they drafted him high for a reason, and he played very well down the stretch last year. Um, you still got a solid group of linebackers. You bring back Alex Anzalone. You got Malcolm Rodriguez. You got James Houston out there. So I think interior defensive line is the area you want to focus on on defense, and maybe maybe you sprinkle in a little bit of cornerback, a little bit of safety as well as you go through the course of this draft. But the Lions, right now for my money, probably the best roster in the entire NFC North right now. They're looking to make a push to at least win the division. Uh, probably not really a Super Bowl run type of year this year, but at least looking to win the division this year if I had to guess when it's all said and done. Uh, outside of that, let's move on to the next one on the list. I got the Pittsburgh Steelers right here. And offensively, I mean, who's to say what, what version of Allen Robinson you get? But you bring in that guy, I think you assume that you're not probably going to invest a whole lot of capital in the wide receiver room when you already got Deontay Johnson, you already got George Pickens in there. Obviously, you draft Kenny Pickett last year and you got Najee Harris in there as well. So, Skill position, they're probably pretty set. Also, you got Pat Fryer with very solid tight end to, to bolster that thing as well. Um, and of course, you, 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 you bolster up the interior of the offensive line with Isaac Samalu. That being said, um, Dan Moore and Chum, oh, really put myself in a corner here. Chukwuma Korafor, I think I nailed that one as your tackles. Solid group of tackles there, but interior. You bring in Isaac Sayamalu. Uh, I think Mason Cole is a, is a holdover from last year, so you like to have continuity there. And I think James Daniels might be as well. But I think you still want to bolster maybe another one or two guys there on the interior for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers if you want to really make that offense uh, live up to his potential, I guess you could say, is the, the words I'm trying to get out of my mouth there. On the defensive side of the ball there, though, I am looking at the cornerback position in specific, and it was glaring because they lost a bunch of players this this past offseason. I think they lost both starting cornerbacks. Um, I think they lost a starting safety as well, unless DeMonte Casey has always been starting back there. But they did sign Keanu Neal, which is a good depth guy, and they still have Minka Fitzpatrick, so it's not the biggest, uh, not, not the biggest sort of need area in the world. But 
You bring in an aging Patrick Peterson. I think he's a good guy to mentor some young cornerbacks. I think you really go hard at the cornerback room. Uh, get get some a youth injection in that secondary. Uh, really get some depth depth in there. That's what they should be focusing on this coming offseason. If I had to uh, if I had to put a finger on it, that's the area I'd be looking at. Uh, especially in a division where you got Deshaun Watson, you got Lamar Jackson, you got the man, Joe Burrow, in the AFC North right now. You got to have a deep secondary if you want to continue to to play at a high level over there. Outside of that, though, uh, you can make an argument that uh, maybe Braden Fajoko is, is not necessarily a household name at nose tackle. Really not a whole lot of holes in that front seven, though. They got, a, obviously, T.J. Watt speaks for himself. Uh, Alex Highsmith, very good in T.J. Watt's absence last year. Bringing Cole Holcomb, you got a Landon Roberts in there as well. I got I, I'm Cam Hayward, the Hall of Famer eventually, probably. Larry Ogunjobi, not a whole lot of holes there on that front seven. You just got to pound that secondary in this draft, I have to say. And you're probably right there to where you were last year as one of the better defenses in the entire league when it was getting down towards the uh, the back half of the season. So there you have it, cornerback, interior offensive line, and you're probably going to be pushing for a division title uh, in that AFC North. But kitchen's always hot in the AFC North, in the words of Mike Tomlin over there. But I digress. That seems like a good place to end off on these Steelers. Let's move on to the Washington Commies. The great red wave is sweeping over the entire nation, and we are starting in the nation's capital, of course. Um, Right now, looking at the team needs, uh, really on the offense, Sneaky, one of the best wide receiver groups in the entire league between McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, uh, Curtis Samuel, who they've, they've, they've got in there for a little bit now. And you still got Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson in the backfield. They're, ro- they're rolling with Sam Howell. So you could make an argument that that perhaps he's uh, that, that QB is an area of need for them. I don't know. They're going to be rolling with Sam Howell, though, so it's kind of a moot point when it's all said and done. And, of course, you got Logan Thomas at tight end, who is sneaky one of the better tight ends, an above-average tight end. I wouldn't say one of the better tight ends in the league, but an above-average tight end in this modern NFL, I would say. What you really got to look at right now for the commies is the interior offensive line. You got uh, Charles Leno and Stein Andrew Wiley from the Chiefs over this offseason, so solid group of tackles there, but uh, Andrew Norwell, Nick Gates, and Sam Cosme, not necessarily a all-star group of interior offensive linemen. I would look for them to kind of bolster that on the offensive side of the ball. And that's pretty much the only hole that I'm looking at on the offensive side of the ball. Really a solid group of skill players, and we'll have to see on the quarterback they're rolling with Sam Howell, though, like I said. On the defensive line, or the defensive side of the ball, though, not the defensive line for sure, because they got a group of monsters up there between Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, need I say any more? I shouldn't because those are the only starters there. But again, I digress. Outside of them, though, uh, they lose Cole Holcomb in free agency, who I just talked about with the Steelers. And with that, really, Jamin Davis, not a not a proven commodity out there. They got David Mayo, Cody Barton, a group that you're probably going to want to bolster in the draft if I had to say so. So linebacker is is one area I'm looking at for the commies right now. Secondary is another area I'm looking at as well. I mean, uh, Kendall Fuller, okay enough corner. Benjamin St. Juiced, I think he was a, a rookie last year and he really played well. But uh, as far as the safety, you got Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest. Uh, probably a group you're going to want to, to bolster even a little bit more. And especially if you're going to have essentially Cameron Dantzler playing the slot corner, probably an area that you want to uh, to bolster up a little bit. Not not something that you're going to want to roll with uh, when you come up to the, the actual season. So secondary depth and linebacker is what I'm looking at on the defensive side right there. In addition to the interior of that offensive line for the commies, you address those areas and 
I mean, it's a strong division they're in, but they can really make a push for something maybe a little bit better. They were 8-8-1 eight, eight and one last year with some serious question marks at quarterback. So they get a little bit of uptake at the quarterback play, address some of those areas of need that I was talking about. Could really make a push for something better than what they were last year. So with that, let's move on to an abject disaster, shall we? We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and... The wide receiver core is all right. I mean, he's still got uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage is a solid third receiver out there. Um, outside of that, though, good running backs. Solid, well, well, let's just get to it, shall we? I mean, quarterback, need I say more? It's either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, so I'm not really feeling great about the, uh, the options there. If they really felt good about Kyle Trask, they would have just rolled with him. They wouldn't have signed Baker Mayfield this offseason if they really felt that strongly about Kyle Trask right now. Outside of them, though, offensive line, uh, Tristan Wirfs, solid left tackle, but Ryan Jensen, an aging center that, you know, I think he was contemplating retirement last season. I think he came out of retirement to, to come back and play last year. Uh, Nick LaVarrett, uh, uh, Matt Filer is your, your guards. Uh, they lost Shaq Mason in free agency. Uh, they cut their right tackle, whose name is escaping me right now. So just generally... The offensive line, it didn't. they didn't play great last year with all the injuries they had, and they really are shaping up to not be that great this year, so you got to really hit the offensive line hard. Um, outside of that, though, on the defensive side, Vita Vea is aging. Greg Gaines is all right. Logan Hall, unproven commodity. So defensive line I'm looking at, uh, bringing in some guys as well there. Um, you got Shaq Barrett, who should probably help out. You got uh, Joe Tryon Shoyanka, who I'm not even sure if he's really that good. Uh, round one pick in 2021 for whatever it's worth. It was a, a four sack guy, and he's got some sick hair in his uh, in his profile photo there on ESPN. So, for whatever that's worth, I mean, he could be all right, could be terrible. I think you're probably going to look want to look into some uh, some pass rush as well, opposite of Shaquille Barrett. But what I'm really looking at here for the Bucks right now, because uh, you got interior linebackers Levante David, Devin White. Maybe not the greatest uh, duo in the world, but Devin White, all-pro caliber guy. Levante David, very solid inside linebacker, so I'm going to leave that where it is right now. Also, probably going to want to look into secondary. You got bring back Jamel Dean. Uh, you have Carlton Davis in there. You got Antoine Winfield Jr., but overall, not the, not the most deep unit in the entire world. They have some serious depth concerns, so I'm looking at secondary depth there behind all those guys I just named. Also, safety got Nolan Turner coming in after Mike Edwards left and Mike Edwards left in free agency this past offseason so you got some real holes to fill on that side of the ball and that's what I'm looking at I mean the 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 Bucks in general just they're a better roster than I thought they were looking at them but they're just not a very good team this upcoming year they got a lot of holes to fill and a limited amount of draft picks to do it so I'll be interested to see what uh, what what Brett Veach and the entire squad over there in the, the front office decides to do in this upcoming draft up next, though, we have got the New England Patriots. And it may come as a shock to y'all, but I think this roster is a little bit better than Matt Patricia made them look at times last year. Really, obviously, you lose Jacoby Myers in free agency. Uh, you bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, but I'm not really sure how good he actually is. And often injured Devontae Parker. Kendrick Bourne as a third receiver is not terrible, but I think you need to bring in some wide receivers. That's, that's pretty much the one area of need I see on the offense. Outside of that, though, I mean... Basically, full group of starters coming back on the offensive line. Uh, Hunt, you bring in Mike Kosicki. Uh, Hunter Henry is already there. So you got a solid uh, duo of tight ends, I would say. Not a bad group of, of players on the offense. You just It's all really coming down to 
how does Mac Jones play? Does Ramondre Stevenson stay on the field? Um, that that's really the, the the question marks you're looking at there. Outside of that, on the defense, another solid group of guys. I mean, really, the defense was the 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 strength of the unit last year of the team rather last year. But really, outside of that, um, really the secondary looks nice. Uh, the defensive line looks about as it looked last year. I'm really just looking specifically at that interior uh, line or inside linebacker, rather. You're looking at uh, Juwan Bentley and Jelani Tavai uh, anchoring that interior right now, which not a terrible group of linebackers, but uh, unproven commodities to say the least. So I would like to see them bolster that a little bit, though. But I'll say it again, not nearly as bad of a roster as I expected it to be uh, coming into this little analysis here. And I think they're really not that far away. They got a, a you know, they, they bring back Butch and Bill. They got a solid offensive coordinator now. And I think they should be right back on the doorstep of, of uh, looking for a playoff spot next year. It's a strong AFC. Uh, they're going to need some better quarterback play. But Bud Chimbill was the guy that, that coached uh, Mac Jones to where he was in college and ended up being a first-round pick coming out of college. So I feel very good about this team in general. I think the Patriots are going to have a real good bounce-back year when it's all said and done. Uh, solid defense, solid-looking offense. I'm interested to see where they end up when it's all said and done. Hopefully, well, I don't know about hopefully. They're the evil empire, but I could see them finishing uh, much better than they were last year, maybe maybe pushing for, uh, for a 10-win sort of season uh, in a playoff spot when it's all said and done. Up next, though, we have got another kind of shit show when you when you look at it a little bit closer. It's the, the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, you got Aaron Rodgers uh, exiting the building, so we'll have to see what Jordan Love is. I feel very good about Jordan Love. I think probably better than a lot of people feel about Jordan Love, but still an unproven commodity, so we'll have to see what happens there. Outside of him, though, uh, backfield, don't really need to say much about them between Jones and Dylan, a solid one-two punch there. Uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and then that, this is the sticking point. Samori Toure as your third receiver, very unproven commodity and a guy that I would like to see them add a little bit of depth either in front of or behind in this year's draft. I think they probably go for a weapon in this year's draft. And you lose uh, uh, Robert Tunyon in the free agency this year also wasn't a very prolific receiver uh, last year. So right now, Josiah DeGuara is slated at the tight end, and it's a very, very strong tight end draft, like I said before. So I think they probably look for a tight end maybe in the first round. I With their draft position, I don't, I don't really see them going for a wide receiver in the first round unless Jackson Smith and Jigba just falls right in their lap, which I would be a perfect fit, I would say. But tight end in this year's draft, probably the area I see them going particularly in the first round, but that's their needs right now. It's uh, tight end, wide receiver. Also, if you're expecting David Bakhtiari after his entire injury saga to come back and just be a, a spring chicken, be the same guy he once was, simply not going to happen. So also I'm, I'm listing tackle as a need for the Packers. Really just overall in the offense, gonna need to gotta, gotta get some bodies in the skill positions and you gotta get some bodies at that tackle position and I don't know if they'll be right as rain but it all kind of depends on what Jordan loves uh Jordan love does in this offense this coming year and I'm I'm excited to see it I suppose but uh ooh, excuse me on the defensive side of the ball one area of note that I'm looking at is the uh the safety position Obviously, you still got Darnell playing like a savage back there. Uh, Tarverius Moore next to him. 
Uh, unproven commodity to say the least though. So I'm looking at probably a safety there, maybe a, maybe a mid-round investment if I had to say. Outside of that though, I mean, still mostly the same same cast and crew that they had last year. Um, Devontae Wyatt stepping into that starting lineup uh, with Dean Lowry leaving in, in free agency. Uh, maybe you can make an argument that TJ Slayton isn't necessarily a guy that you need at the nose tackle right now. Uh, maybe a guy that you want to uh, build some depth uh, or, or replace in, in the draft here. But, you know, you still got Kenny Clark. Uh, got... Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Quay Walker, um, Devondre Campbell. I mean, solid group of, of front seven guys. You just got to kind of uh, bolster the back end a little bit. Still got Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes as the corners. Just got to kind of uh, bolster up the safety room a little bit. And then you're probably probably doing all right when it's all said and done. Probably going to want to temper expectations for the Packers this year, though. This is uh, this is definitely a rebuilding year, and they're going to have a, a youthful group out there that's kind of probably going to be figuring out. This will this will probably be a little bit reminiscent of the uh, the first year Aaron Rodgers was starting, if I had to guess. You know, the year they went six and ten weren't necessarily firing on all cylinders, but remember, the very next year I think they won ten or eleven games, and they might have won the Super Bowl the very next year. So. Take it with a grain of salt. This is just kind of what the Packers do. And this, you know, every team has to have a down year every once in a while. And you're transitioning from the greatest quarterback in franchise history. I understand. I I understand uh, with a a little bit of drop off. They might be, I mean, weird how it ends up, but the Vikings and the Packers might end up having the, uh, the, the, the two worst records in the division. But then again, I can't, I can't just assume that the, 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 the stupid bears are going to be any good next year. So We'll, we'll digress on that point. That's what I'm looking at for the Green Bay Packers right now. Bunch of offensive needs, only a few defensive needs when it's all said and done. Up next, I'm looking at the New York Jets. And of course, we'll start off here. Need a quarterback, but really just get the Aaron Rodgers deal done. I think they're expected to get that thing done this week. They recently, I think just yesterday, their day before, uh, maybe even just over the course of the last week or so, they've re-engaged on the, on the trade talks and they're trying to hammer that thing out. I would assume they get that done either night one or night two of the draft, if I had to guess. So it's going to get done. It's just a matter of getting the thing done. And until then, you got you got a need at QB. Outside of that, though, this roster is ready to make a championship run. No, no two ways about it. No question in my mind. You just got to really, on offense, the one need you're looking at is, is offensive tackle. You cannot expect Mekhi Becton to come back and play at all, really. Um, he's currently slated as a starting left tackle, but who's to say how long that's going to last? Interior, I don't really have a whole lot of questions. They got a lot of the same guys coming back from last year. Lakin Tomlinson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Wes Schweitzer, uh, kind of anchoring that middle there. Um, Max Mitchell at right tackle, a, a, a wholly unproven commodity. You do have Dwayne Brown sitting back there, uh, kind of an older, longer in the tooth guy, but he played well in his reps last season. So I it may be not the most pressing area of need, but especially with the Mackay Becton uh, ongoing health situation that always seems to be presenting itself, you're probably going to want to draft a tackle there if I if I had to guess. Outside of that, though, not a single hole on the defense, man. It is a scary, scary unit right now. I mean, they bring in Chuck Clark on the trade with the Ravens this past year. They already had Jordan Whitehead in place. Uh, DJ Reed played well opposite of the best, one of the best corners in the entire league in Sauce Gardner. Uh, the guy that wore a bejeweled, bedazzled, uh, diamond-studded sauce bottle to the draft last year. Uh, one of my favorite players in the entire league. I mean, the secondary is fantastic. They got a lot of the same guys coming in. 
as last year in the uh, in the front seven. Uh, maybe you want to look into a, a linebacker or two in that front seven. Outside of that, though, I mean, they are absolutely loaded at all positions on the defense. It should be one of the best, if not the best group in the entire league. Once again this year, I would be, I'd be shocked if they were not a top 10 group at the very least, and I would not be surprised at all if they were a top five group once again. So really, again, just get the Aaron Rodgers deal done. Get it, get some tackles in there, and you are going to be primed and ready for a run at the Super Bowl. Maybe you don't win the division. You still got the Bills in there. You still got the Dolphins looking strong as ever. And of course, the Patriots are frisky as always. But I'll tell you what, man, this is a roster that is ready to go on a run. The wide receiver core is deep. You got Brees Hall coming back off an injury. You got a dynamic defense. Just get that trade done, and we should be off for the races when it's all said and done. With that, though, Let's move on to one of the bigger shit shows uh, in the entire. We're, we're really moving into the area of shit shows in general right now. Got the Tennessee Titans right now, and take a take your pick. I mean, uh, running back probably going to want to bring in some guys because Derrick Henry is being, I mean, already rumored to maybe be on the move somewhere. I don't know who's going to be trading for Derrick Henry at this point in his career, but um, a guy that they're probably, I mean, a, a guy that was brought in by a previous regime, so especially at running back, probably someone you might be looking to move on from. That's one guy I'm looking at there. Running back, maybe in a mid-round draft pick sort of selection there. Uh, outside of that, though, again, Traylon Burks seemed like a good pick. He played well last year, but outside of that, I mean, it's Chris Moore and Nick Westbrook-Akine, and that's not a, a two and three that you're looking to ride with when it's all said and done. So add some wide receivers in there. Um, outside of wide receiver, I've uh, got a good tight end situation there as well. Uh, looking at a uh, offensive line as well. You got Nicholas Little Brother over there, uh, Dylan Raduns, Aaron Brewer, Daniel Brunskill, Andre Diller. They just brought in out of free agency. I think that's a pretty good investment. Nice little uh, piece to build around at left tackle. But outside of that, uh, you could probably make upgrades at, at all of those positions. Maybe not in the draft, but probably going to want to hit the offensive line hard as well uh, as those, those other situations there. So really, basically, outside of... Uh, even QB, you can make an argument for them going and getting somebody because Malik Willis didn't play well at all last year. And Ryan Tannehill is, eh, he's okay. He, he's okay when he's on the field, but he's a guy that you're pretty much perpetually trying to move on from, if I if I had to guess. So really, you, you could you couldn't really, it, it really wouldn't hurt to just go all across the offense and just kind of close your eyes and draft one of those positions there, if I had to say. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I do think, that uh, head coach over there whose name escapes me, like all the other head coaches right now, uh, Mike Vrabel, probably going to offset a lot of the, uh, the the deficiencies that I see over there. They do have a solid secondary, so that's not much of a, a worry there as far as I'm concerned. Outside of that, though, I'm looking at inside linebacker, defensive line is real big areas of need on this team right now. Obviously, you re-sign Jeffrey Simmons to a big-time deal, Hale State there, but Tier Tart, Curtis Brooks, um, no idea how long Harold Landry will even be in the lineup on a given year. He was out the entire year last year. You bring in Aziz Al-Shair, which is a good linebacker pickup, but next to him is Monty Rice, uh, Danico Autry, which, hey, Hale State once again, another, another solid pass rush there, but maybe you can always get an upgrade there. Really just pass rush, inside linebacker in general, uh, an area you need to be, be looking at there. Really, the, the front seven, you've just got to, you just got to do better when it's all said and done. And again, Mike Vrabel is going to offset a lot of that, but 
right now, it, the, the, the group you got in there is just simply not good enough. And I think they need to make a few uh, upgrades there as well. I will say though, like I said, secondary, not looking bad though, which, which is always something uh, is, especially in the modern era of the NFL, something you need, which is, you know, a good starting point if nothing else. And I made this point before. I don't think I don't think Mike Vrabel is ever going to let them be abjectly terrible. This is not a good roster, though, and they need to upgrade at a lot of positions. So I'll be interested to see how this new regime uh, with is it Rand Carthon there with Tennessee? I can't I can't quite remember right now. Favorite Star Wars character though, great great smuggler in the Star Wars universe, Rand Carthon. Going to be looking to right the ship over there with the Tennessee Titans, and he's got his hands full in this first draft as the GM. So let's move on to we're getting right into the top ten here, folks. We have got the Carolina Panthers uh, coming in right now, and you know what? They did a great job in free agency. I think they've made a lot of really good. Uh, additions to what they already had in the building. That being said, they can do more. And uh, obviously the the running back room, short up with Miles Sanders, you bring in some some good additions with Adam Thielen at wide receiver, DJ Chark, big time addition there as well at wide receiver. I'd like to see them get one more in the draft though. Terrace Marshall, not really the greatest third receiver in the world. Obviously you got LaVisca Chenault there. He's a very good gadget guy. You got Demir Bird, uh, a good sort of deep threat in there. But, you know, I think you want to bring in one more guy and you're probably looking very good there, especially when you're bringing in a quarterback in all likelihood. And also, that's another another area of need in all likelihood. you got Andy Dalton starting right now. He's a bridge quarterback through and through. They're going to draft someone number one overall. It's just a matter of who they end up picking at that spot. And then they'll go from there, I suppose. But really, outside of that, uh, really solid offensive line. Bring in Hayden Hurst. You got a solid group of running backs. You got a good offensive mind in there uh, with uh, the the guy they just brought in at head coaches. Again, really bad with head coaching names today. I, I have no idea why I'm this bad at it. But uh, gosh, Frank Reich. My goodness, I, I have no idea how I forgot Frank Reich. Uh, good offensive mind there. Good offensive line to work with, and a hell of a staff. An all-star staff of offensive guys that they brought in. Spent a lot of money on that, and it's it's hopefully going to pay big dividends for them. But Really, that's that's all I'm really looking at on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, they draft the quarterback number one overall and see who they get at wide receiver as well from there. And on the defensive side of the ball, they brought in some good pieces. I'll, I'll give them that. And they brought in a very good defensive coordinator in Ajiro Averro. Really, once he was out of the head coaching search, he was the hottest commodity at a, at a defensive coordinator that there was on the market. And... I would assume the, that David Tepper won the bidding war for that one, ended up landing the, the jewel of defensive coordinator market. Maybe he's only a one-year rental, but that's a hell of a one-year rental, and you got some good pieces for him to work with. That being said, um, I'm looking at cornerback, and I'm looking at pass rush on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you got, you got J.C. Horn, uh, but Dante Jackson opposite of him, he's okay, not great. And if that's your second quarter, um, they got two guys in C.J. Henderson and, and Stanley Thomas Oliver III, which is just, just, I mean, that sounds like British royalty right there, if I had to say. But outside of that, I mean, you got some good safeties there. You bring in, Zay, well, I think they already had Xavier Woods, but you bring in Von Bell on a big-time contract. You got to focus on that cornerback, though. J.C. Horn is a good guy to start with, but I think you need more depth when it's all said and done. As far as the pass rush goes, uh, Itor Grossmatos has not been the guy that they were expecting coming in. He's not been good at all. I think it's time to move on and uh, replace him, if I had to say so. Outside of that, though, the NFC South, I mean, they're probably like the second best team right now. If they bring in a good quarterback, if they pick the right quarterback, they got a good offensive mind there with Frank Wright, a hell of an offensive staff, a great defensive coordinator, good pieces for that defensive coordinator to work with. 
this could very easily be a team that finishes with like a 10-win season. Once again, pushing for a playoff spot, especially in the NFC, perpetually wide open in the NFC. So we'll have to see how that all works out. I think they've had, they're putting themselves in a really good position after years of just abject mediocrity, specifically at the quarterback position, to really go out there and make a big-time uh, push for a playoff spot and kind of building up this franchise to what the ultimate goal is towards the Super Bowl. Probably won't be looking at it this year, but in the years to come, they're really putting themselves in a good position to go out there and get it done. So with that, those are my areas of need for them. Let's move on down the list. We have got the Cleveland Browns next up here. And honestly, no real areas of need on the offensive on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, offensive line is good. Uh, they bring in Elijah Moore on the trade market. Uh, they already had Marquise Goodwin behind him. And of course, Donnie Peeps, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Amari Cooper are your top two receivers. Uh, you got Nick Chubb. Obviously, some questions behind Nick Chubb as far as the depth is concerned, but when you got Nick Chubb, not sure it necessarily matters who the depth is uh, behind him. And obviously, you got Deshaun Watson in there. You assume he'll play better than what he did last year. Uh, maybe, maybe, I mean, now that he's not being nasty off the field, maybe the nastiness is what was fueling his good play. If that's the case, they're in big trouble, but assuming that that's not the case, he'll probably play a little bit better than he did down the stretch last year. And obviously, got David Njoku at the tight end position. No real, no real notes here. I think they're, they can just kind of ride with what they got on the offensive side of the ball. What they really need to focus on, I would say, is the defensive side. Uh, they weren't terrible last year. They're actually pretty solid last year, uh, but they do have some some uh, interesting, uh, uh, maybe not interesting is the right word, but some spots that they could probably fill in this draft if I had to guess. First off, um, really I'm highlighting like every area of the defense. I'm looking at linebacker. Obviously, you got Jeremiah Wusu, Koromoa, Almost got all the way through that without messing it up. Uh, but he's a dynamic linebacker. You got Anthony Walker coming back. Um, outside of him, though, you're looking at uh, Sione Takitaki and uh, Ogbonia Okoronkwo. Actually, he's a he's on the defensive line. But either way, um, looking at interior defensive line, Jordan Elliott, Dalvin Tomlinson. You paid a, a, a handsome price for Dalvin Tomlinson, so you expect a, a good uh, outing from him. But Maybe a little bit more of a maybe a little bit more depth you need outside of Jordan Elliott on that interior to kind of bolster up the run defense. And Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett speaks for himself, but I'm not sure uh, Okoronkwo was a guy that necessarily uh, flashed off the screen as a pass rusher last year. I think he was kind of buried on that that 49ers depth chart, if I had to guess. But but still, still seems like uh, seems like a guy that you could probably. Uh, build some more depth behind. Oh, he was with the Texans last year. My bad. My sorry about that. I did not know he was with the Texans. So, oh, let's let's get out of this this area causing all of this this sort of noise right now, and let's get back to the roster as a whole. Uh, but yeah, like, like I was saying there. Miles Garrett's a very good pass rusher, maybe the best pass rusher in the entire league, but you want a guy opposite of him that you can really focus, not really focus on, but really take some pressure off of Miles Garrett, maybe get a little bit more consistent pass rush uh, on a consistent basis so you don't have games like the the Jets game where it was just full-on mayhem down the stretch there and the defense, neither defense could stop anyone. Outside of that, though, um, oh, lost my, my area on the page here, but yeah, cornerback depth as well. You got Greg Newsom, who I think you just drafted, uh, Denzel Ward, solid out there. You got Juan Thornhill, you just brought in from free agency, Grant Delpit at strong safety, uh, Martin Emerson, you just drafted, but I mean, solid group of, I can't, can't say it's a bad group of, of cornerbacks, but you want to add a little bit more depth there, especially in the division that they are in. Could not hurt to add another cornerback uh, when it's all said and done over there. So yeah, really just kind of, if you just 
pepper the defensive side of the ball and you just go hard on the defense if you're the Browns, I think they could have a really good chance of coming out, make, making a push for winning this division, assuming that Deshaun Watson plays a little bit better than what he did down the stretch uh, last season. And uh, with that, let's let's just keep this thing moving, shall we? We have got the New Orleans Saints coming down the home stretch of this draft need special here. And first off for the Saints... Made a good pickup last year in Chris Olave, but you need more from the wide receiver group. Michael Thomas, who's to say what he's going to end up being or how how long he's going to be in the lineup? He seems to be perpetually injured at this point in his career. And at third wide receiver, great name, not necessarily uh, the wide receiver you want to be your third wide receiver, though. Rashid Shahid is currently slated as third right now. And Probably means you need to upgrade over there. So Mickey Loomis will probably be looking to to get a little bit more depth there. Obviously, you still got Traquan Smith. Uh, outside of that, though, bunch of guys I ain't never heard of for the most part. So gonna want to keep bolstering up that wide receiver core if you're the Saints. And outside of that, it's on paper it's the same group that comes back on offensive line. You got Trevor Penning at left tackle, Ryan Ramchek at right tackle. That interior though. It has been a problem over the last couple years, and it's something that I think they really need to address in this coming draft. Uh, Andrews Pete has an albatross of a contract that's going to be hard to get out of, uh, but he has not played up to the standard there. Eric McCoy has been okay, but not great. Cesar Ruiz was supposed to be drafted as a center. It has not worked out at all, so I think you need to bolster the interior of that offensive line, as well as that wide receiver core if you want to upgrade on the offensive side. You brought in Derek Carr, who I think is a solid upgrade at the quarterback position. Now you got to do some work outside of him. Obviously, you bring in Jamal Williams to have a nice little one-two punch there at the running back position, but you just got to, got to, got to upgrade at the wide receiver, upgrade at the interior offensive line if you want to, to keep pace with the rest of the teams in the division because, I mean, the Falcons got better this offseason. The Panthers got better this offseason. There's a fourth team. In, oh, the Bucks. Bucks are the Bucks. So you don't really got to worry about them. But if you want to push to that upper echelons of the division, you got to upgrade a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. And outside of that, uh, defensive line lost a bunch of guys in free agency. So outside of Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson, it's a bunch of guys that are kind of stepping in there that, you know, have not really played a, a whole whole lot on that uh, defensive line. Jeez, I'm, excuse me, had to do some, some quick maintenance there on myself there. But outside of that, looking at a linebacker as well, I think they lost a couple guys there as well. So you do have Pete Warner there who is solid. Uh, Demario Davis, who's been a, um, a, a fixture for a long time. But Zach Ballin at strong side linebacker, not necessarily a proven commodity to say the least and a guy that you probably want to build uh, a little bit of depth either behind or draft a guy to replace him. A lot of that situation here in the way I've been describing a lot of these uh, these these draft needs, if you will. But yeah, I mean, the Saints, I don't know if they're necessarily be a whole lot better than they were last year. They went 7-10, and 10, so maybe they'll be 8-9, and 9-8, and eight, something like that. But they do have some serious uh, holes they need to fill. Uh, this, this draft will be telling as to what they end up looking like coming out of it. Also, you got a head coach that I'm not sure anyone really believes in in Dennis Allen. So work is cut out for him right now. I'll be interested to see how Mickey Loomis approaches this thing. I'm not sure it's going to be enough for these Saints to make a playoff push this coming year, though, if, if I had to guess. Uh, just address the needs that you need to address, though, and then we'll go from there, I suppose. Uh, up next, we have got the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. And like I said, they did a hell of a job in free agency. They brought in a, brought in a bunch of solid guys there. Uh 
rolling with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, who if if he continues the trajectory of his the trajectory of his development at the end of last year, could be a really solid guy on a very cheap contract. Uh, so that's going to be one to watch there. Um, you bring in some some solid guys uh, outside of Drake London. You got Matt Collins. You got Scotty Miller. But that being said, we'll stop off there for just a moment because that is my uh, uh, that that is my my real jeez uh, easy for me to say. That's my real need on this offensive side of the ball. It's it's wide receiver. They got a very good offensive line where they're just building on slowly but surely. Um, wide receiver though if you got Scotty Miller as your third receiver he's a very solid uh, speed receiver and Mac Hollins is a solid too but I think you probably want to add another one or two guys into that receiving room if you want to really bolster up what they got over there obviously over the last couple of years they've been a run heavy run first sort of team but I also think that Arthur Smith Arthur Smith is the type of guy that will build around what his personnel is and I think he would rather have a solid wide receiver core than not have a solid wide receiver core when it's all said and done. So that's what I'm looking at on the offensive side of the ball. On defense, really, and I talked about this last week a little bit but not didn't really touch on it in depth. The strategy for this offseason was clearly like, all right, we're going to sign 5 million defensive players and we're going to let Arthur Smith figure out the rest on the offensive side of the ball. So Mostly, I mean, they bring in Caden Ellis. They got David Onyemata, uh, Calais Campbell. They brought in. They got Grady Jarrett on the on the defensive line. Um, in the secondary, they bring in Jeff Akuda. Uh, got Mike Hughes and for depth. AJ Terrell played well last season. Uh, you could make an argument that maybe you want to draft a safety behind Jalen Hawkins or something like that. But you still got Jesse Bates the third, who you brought in from the the Bengals this past off season. The real area that they need to focus on is probably the linebackers. Um, Pretty much all unproven commodities there. You got Arnold Ebiketti, um, Michael Walker, and Troy Anderson, who you may remember out of Montana last year, Montana State, I think it was, ran the fastest uh, 40 of any linebacker last year. So, you know, maybe a guy that's got some good talent there, but an unproven commodity to say the least. And when you got unproven commodities there, that just means you got to have some insurance in the form of of draft assets. And I think you draft some good linebacker, uh, depth and you're probably looking pretty good. I think the Falcons right now, for my money, probably the best team in the NFC South, and that could really come back to bite me uh, when the season actually starts. But just from what I'm seeing, I mean, they got the head coach. If the quarterback plays up to what I, I expect him to play at, I think this could be a really good team, and it could be uh, a playoff push this year. If I had to guess, uh, what am I? What am I getting? What, what, what am I getting here? I, hold on. Oh yeah, yeah. That's 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 neither here nor there. This just old old co-host uh, texting me about some stuff happening in the news right now. Which bunch of guys? I guess they're they're not coming back to their respective news stations. Should be an end of an era there. But this is a football show, so I'll keep it football right now. Where was I? Oh yes, the Falcons. I feel very strongly about them in the NFC South in this coming year and uh, going forward. I think they're really building this thing the right way, and especially especially with Arthur Smith. Uh, calling the plays and being as good at calling plays that he ha- as he has been over the last couple of years. I think that going heavy on the defensive side of the ball is the way they needed to do it. And I'm excited to see the fruits of their labor after this, this offseason and what they end up doing in the draft going forward here. And we are getting right down to it. Up next, we have got the Raiders. We have got a bunch of shit shows right now. And uh, for them, pretty much on offense... 
Uh, it's offensive line. What else is new? Is the same same sort of uh, same sort of problem they had last year. And I think all they did was lose offensive linemen. They still have got Colton Miller, uh, still got Donald Parham, um, but Andre James, Alex Bars, Jermaine Illuminor. I, I think I totally butchered that name, but I'm not going back to to fix it. Um, all that is to say they got no one on offensive line. They need to rectify that situation ASAP. We'll see if that ends up happening. But as far as the skill positions go, I don't need to say much about that. I mean, one, two, three is Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. You could do a lot worse than that. Uh, and then Josh Jacobs, need I say more? Uh, Zamir White is currently third in the depth chart behind Amir Abdullah, which is surprising to me. But uh, still, that's all to say. They have a very deep backfield. They brought in Jimmy Garoppolo, so you expect him to be the quarterback uh, going forward here. The real, the real issues come on the defensive side because basically... If your name isn't Max Crosby, we got a problem here. I mean, it's it is bare. The cupboard is bare on the defensive side of the ball uh, for the, the the Raiders right now. Um, really, take your pick. I mean, defensive tackle. They don't really have a whole lot going for them there. I mean, make, you can make an argument that Jerry Tillery and Bilal Nichols were are okay, but you probably want to do better than that. Uh, Chandler Jones. He's good for like one one or two four-sack games a year, and then he'll just kind of disappear for the rest of it. Um, outside of that, I mean, all they really did was lose players. Right now they got Duke Shelley as one of their top two cornerbacks uh, right now, and he it took a bunch of injuries for Duke Shelley to really win the hearts and minds of the Minnesota faithful last year. So that's not a, that's not a situation you want to be in right there. Basically, I... It, if you're just looking at the the skill positions for the Raiders, they should be very, very good. But man, every other area of that team just seems like they are they are begging, pleading for more for more talent, for more depth. Uh, I guess you bring in Robert Spillane, absolute dump truck in the hole, a very good run stopper. I'm not really sure what his bona fides are as a as a pass defender. Uh, I mean, just, again. Just Lord help this defense. They need all the help they can get uh, going into this offseason. Um, outside of that, though, let's move on from the Raiders, shall we? And it's basically offensive line and every single position not named Max Crosby on the defense is what we're looking at. We're in the we're in the final like six ish year, I want to say. It's yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, final six here. Starting off with the Denver Broncos, one of those teams that do not have a draft pick in this upcoming draft. Not upcoming draft, upcoming first round. And they got some they got some issues to address right now. Um offensively, um really not as bad as I thought it would be. I think think the, the who they had there at head coach last year, Nathaniel Hackett, really he was in over his head, no two ways about it, and it was it was very imminent. Uh, imminent. It was very obvious throughout the course of last year. They brought in some good uh, some good talent as well. They brought in Samaje Piran to back up Javante Williams. Uh, they they're going to have Tim Patrick coming back off that ACL injury, so they're going to have Judy Sutton and Tim Patrick over there, and they they brought in Marquez Calloway. Still got KJ Hamler, so a very deep wide receiver core. Uh, Greg Dulcich, the Leche is going to be out there, and they got Alberto Albert Okwebunam uh, as the second tight end. Really solid group of skill players, and on offense, off offensive line rather. They really address. I mean, they went hard on the offensive line. They bring in Ben Powers out of the Ravens on a big time deal. Uh, they bring in Mike McGlinchey at right tackle from the uh, from the Niners, and they already invested some good capital in the center there. They got Lloyd smoking some Cush Cushenberry there at center, and they had Quinn Miners that they drafted last year. So interior looking good. Uh, Garrett Bowles is a 
imminent question mark over there at left tackle. We'll have to see if he lasts. Uh, this is going to be a real make or break year for him going forward. But overall, offensive line, I'm not too worried about it. And really, offense in general, I'm not too worried about it. The problems, I guess, or, or areas of need come on the defensive side of the ball for the Broncos. I would say outside of Patrick Sertain uh, and I guess Justin Simmons, though he's kind of on, on the aging side of things right now, you're, you're going to need some more guys in the, in the secondary. Right now, their second cornerback is Damari Mathis. And outside of that, it's a bunch of, I mean, I know Kwan Williams outside of that. I don't really know anyone else in that that uh, that secondary behind those guys. So, I mean, you got Caden Stern starting at strong safety right now. So just general secondary outside of Patrick Sertain, the second is what you're going to be looking at there. And really... Bottom line is they traded away uh, they traded away Bradley Chubb last year and they lost a lot of pass rush from that. Really need to bring in a, a pass rusher in this draft, I think. I mean, they, they did bring in um, Zach Allen on the defensive line, who's got a lot of familiar there with Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, making his return to the Broncos after uh, everyone in that previous regime got shit-canned or sold the team. Uh, so he felt comfortable coming back, I suppose. Um uh, in the, uh, the 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 pass rusher is what we're really going to be focusing on there. As I stumble through all of my words, uh, Randy Gregory's a solid piece. The the health is what a big a big question mark though, which is again can't harp on this enough. Probably why you need to bring in another pass rusher in this draft. But offensively looking good, defensively, if you can really just focus on one area more than anything else, I think you're in a good situation to kind of make a, a better run than what they had last year. And, Really, the bar is low to exceed the expectations of what they had last year, and they just brought in, oh, by the way, uh, Sean Payton, one of the best offensive minds in the entire league uh, to run the whole show there. So as long as you get the defense figured out, this could really be a much better team than the, what they were last year. Uh, even without the first-round pick, I think they're still in a pretty good position to make a big leap from what they had uh, last season. Uh, let's go to a real shit show. My, my pick for the number one overall pick next year, the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm just going to cut to the chase here. I think pretty much every single area outside of uh, offensive line, ironically enough, probably need to upgrade at. I mean, I'm talking Matt Stafford had a bruise on his spine last year and is it uh, had health issues throughout the course of his career. Cam Akers and Kyron Williams, who the hell knows what you're going to get in that backfield. Cooper Cup, no disrespect to Cooper Cup. He's one of, the, one, one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. But you got Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek behind him. Uh, Van Jefferson, who's shrunk up like a like a pair of Inuit testicles uh, every time he's been in a big moment. And Ben Skoranek, who just, just basically discount uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, they just love their wide receivers over their white wide receivers over there in LA for some reason. I have no idea why. Um, I guess Tyler Higby's okay, but I mean he's he can always upgrade, especially in a strong tight end class. You can always upgrade a tight end there. Uh, like I said, offensive line they basically got everyone coming back. Interestingly enough, probably the strongest area of the team. And I've talked about this before. Um, I think it's basically. Aaron Donald and Ernest Jones are your only two returning uh, defensive starters from last year. Outside of that, you have got a host of unproven commodities and just a bunch of guys where you're like, oh, <laughs> I mean, this this roster is bereft of talent right now. And I am I am I'm I'm sure Aaron Donald and um, again, these head coaches just totally escaping my mind right now. Sean McVay. Uh, both Aaron Donald and Sean McVay are probably very happy they decided to come back for one more year to give it another ride. This whole roster, and they got barely any draft picks to, to replenish right now. 
they need a full roster makeover, and they it's not going to look pretty next year. I mean, Rams fans, all five of you, probably a good time to just stay home. It's it's probably going to be looking a lot like Oakland Athletics games uh, in in the middle of a day game. Uh, all next season, if I had to guess, it's it's not going to be pretty for the LA Rams, and uh, it's it's going to be quite a rebuilding year. Hey, maybe you luck your way into a number one overall pick, and you get to pick Caleb Williams, though. That that could be fun when it's all said and done. Maybe maybe that's why Sean McVay is sticking around for a little bit longer because it's going to be bad this year. But maybe you get Caleb Williams or Drake May when it's all said and done. It could be could be worse. Could be worse, I suppose. Not this coming year, though. It's going to be painful. Uh, with that, though. Let's move away from that depression into a little bit more hope. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, they bring in a new uh, offensive-minded head coach as my dog walks in here all cute and cuddly as usual, sniffing, giving her some pets. What a, what a good dog she is as I uh, almost crest the two-hour mark here. I said I'd try to keep it under two hours, and I breezed right through the initial part of this. That was never going to happen, was it? We all knew that, but I digress on that front. Right now, Gardner Minshew is the starter, which means you got a QB problem, and no secret there, they're probably going to take a quarterback there at, uh, can't remember if they're four, they're, they're at four, yeah, so probably going to take a QB there at four, um, wide receiver, again, Michael Pittman's your number one, uh, Alec Pierce, they just drafted last year, and he's a solid, solid talent over there, but maybe not a guy you want to uh, roll with the whole time. And then Isaiah McKenzie's your third receiver. You need more receivers. You need bodies in there. But what else is new in the uh, the Chris Ballard regime? Outside of that, though, um, for some reason, Kylan Granson is the is the slated number one tight end. That's not true. Uh, he probably is going to be the third one behind Jelani Woods and Mo Cox. So I don't really have a whole lot of uh, question marks about their, their tight end room. But again, strong tight end class. So maybe they get someone in the mid rounds. Uh, I take a flyer on a, a guy like Zach Kuntz who just blew the combine away, absolutely destroyed the combine. Uh, an athletic freak, maybe uh, take a flyer on a guy like that. But, um, you know, tight end overall, not the biggest area of need. You're looking at defense mostly. They lost Bobby Okereke in this, this past cycle here. But you do got Zaire Franklin coming back. You got uh, Shaquille Leonard coming back after all of his health scares. I, I assume he's still a youngish guy. So I think that's probably, you know, probably going to be a little bit better than what it was last year. Um, outside of that, though, you're looking at like EJ Speed. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe he'll be okay. Maybe he won't. I don't have a whole lot of issues with their linebacking core. Defensive line, though. Uh, they lose Yannick Ngakwe over the course of this last offseason. Uh, I think Grover Stewart is stepping there at defensive tackle. You still got DeForest Buckner, which is good. You just drafted Quiddy Pay, I believe, last year, two years ago. Uh, you bring in Sam- Samson Ebukam. That being said, it would not hurt to bring in more guys on that defensive line. I think it's probably an area that you want to bolster up a little bit more. And in secondary, you just traded away Stephon Gilmore. Uh, Isaiah Rogers steps in. Uh, unproven commodity over there. Kenny Moore had a down season last year, though. He's in your number one corner, no question about it. And um, Rodney Thomas was good. Julian Blackman was okay. But uh, overall, just not a very deep secondary. You're going to want to bolster that uh, if you are the Colts. Uh, wow, I was just looking at the wrong uh, line there. Probably want to bolster the secondary, sure. But let's move back to the offensive side, shall we? Because I'm looking specifically at uh, that left tackle when it's all said and done. Uh, left tackle in particular. You got Braden Smith coming back from last year, but I think they just let go of their starting left tackle from last year. Right now, it's Bernard Raymond slated at the left tackle for the Colts. I'm sorry about that. I just absolutely went full uh, full dirt mode. 
totally looked at the Cardinals on the next up on the list, which is, you know, one of those shit shows that's probably not going to turn around in the course of this offseason, but we'll get there when we get there. That being said, back to the subject at hand. Left tackle, big area of need for them right now. I think that offensive line is probably better than what they put on tape last year, but, ooh, excuse me, especially with a, a mobile quarterback, probably going to perform a little bit better. I think bringing in a... Uh, a quarterback, as they assume that they're going to do at number four, or if they move up and get a guy, probably wouldn't hurt to get a left tackle as well as some some wide receiver depth out there. Very interesting to see what the Colts are going to do because they're going to kind of a weaker division uh, outside of the Jags. Not really a, a single team out there that you're really wowed by in that division. It's it's a division that's up for the taking. So if they make they play their cards right in this uh, this off season, they got a very good offensive mind there in Shane Steichen. I can really see the Colts making a jump this this coming off season based on what they do in the draft. So Chris Ballard again. This is the biggest draft of his entire career as a GM of the of the Colts. I am very interested to see what he does in this upcoming draft. And we are in the final three here, starting with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we have got, uh, as far as my needs are concerned, uh, offense, interior offensive line, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, specifically looking at interior offensive line, they're, they're, how about this for a name? Their starting center is Hjalta Froholt. I mean, say that say that five times. Hjalta Froholt, quite a name there. A guy I've never heard of in my entire life. But on the tackles, saving grace, you've got DJ Humphreys and Kelvin Beecham at the tackles. So I don't think you got a whole lot to worry about there. Uh, Will Hernandez, Elijah Wilkinson, and Hjalta Froholt uh, are your guys in the interior, though. That's probably an area you need to upgrade. Will Hernandez played well-ish last year, but probably uh, a guy you want to upgrade from if you got an opportunity to do so. Probably not all the way up there at three, but at some point in the draft, you're going to want to uh, upgrade there. Uh, wide receiver right now, New Hopkins is on the way out the door. He's currently listed as the number one, but we all know it's only a matter of time before he gets traded. Um, Marquise Brown, it was okay last year. I mean, he's got that, that built-in chemistry with Kyler Murray, but often injured. And then you got Rondale Moore as your third receiver, who just simply has not been all he was he was cracked up to be uh coming out of Purdue. I was I was really kind of disappointed in that one. I really thought Rondale Moore would be a, a dynamic sort of player. Um maybe I, I do not know who they brought in for the offensive coordinator, forgive me, uh on the Arizona Cardinals, but I would assume they're gonna use him a little bit better than what Cliff Kingsbury did. I think you gotta use him on a little bit more jet motion, a little bit more gadget plays to get Rondo more in that speed and open space. Um, not really what he, he was all cracked up to be coming out of, of college though. Both, I mean, could that, it, maybe it's a little bit of the player, maybe it's a little bit of the situation he was in. Uh, that being said, all that is to say, especially with New Hopkins on the way out the door, you've got to get some upgrades in the wide receiver core. Maybe get a little bit bigger bodies in there, especially with New Hopkins on the way out the door. And yes, you still have Zach Ertz in the building, but he was injured down the stretch of last year. I think he was injured down the stretch of the year before. It's probably about time, especially, like I've said time and time again, in a strong tight end class, this is probably the time to look for a, maybe not a, an immediate replacement, but a guy to, uh, you know, be the heir apparent behind Zach Ertz going forward right now. So that's what I'm looking at on the offensive side of the ball. Their work is cut out for them. It is just not a good group over there, uh, especially with Kyler Murray coming off that ACL injury. Uh, it, it's going to be a tough year offensively for the Arizona Cardinals, if I had to guess, but a lot of areas to improve on there for the new regime coming in there at GM, whose uh, name escapes me there for the GM. I know Jonathan Gannon is the head coach. That's a that's a fun little reversal. I don't 
Don't know the GM, but I do know the head coach, unlike every other team I've gone through uh, so far this this uh, episode. But uh, without bloviating too much, let's look at the defense a little bit. Um, defensive line is really what I'm looking at here. Defensive line and secondary specifically. Um, defensive line, they really got nothing right now. I mean, Myjay Sanders, Rashard Lawrence, Lakey Fotu. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter, those are your four starting defensive linemen. If you've heard of any of those guys, you're probably an Arizona Cardinals fan, which I'm sorry to hear that. But that that is all to say you need you need some fresh bodies in there if you want to really compete. Um, Secondary-wise, they just lost Byron Murphy to the Cardinals. Not the Cardinals. <laughs> he went from the Cardinals to the Vikings last offseason. Uh, now your starting cornerbacks are Rashad Fenton and Marco Wilson. Not the greatest group in the world. You're probably going to want to be looking to upgrade there. And, of course, Buda Baker just requested a trade, though. He's got two years left on his deal. I don't think he's going anywhere this season. Uh, next to him, though, Jalen Thompson. Far from a proven commodity. So secondary and defensive line is what I'm looking at on the defense, as well as the interior offensive line, wide receiver, tight end. Cardinals got a lot of issues that they need to fill, uh, a lot of areas they need to fill uh, in this coming off season. And we're moving into the final two here. First off, we have got the Houston Texans there. St- currently sitting at the number number two pick. Um, obviously need a quarterback. They're trying to they're trying to smokescreen people into thinking they're not going to take a quarterback. Newsflash, it's lying season and they are lying to you. They're going to take a quarterback. It's just a matter of who. Uh, they're ho- probably hoping it's Bryce Young, though Bryce Young is looking more and more like he's going to be the number one overall pick. Um, yeah, that's, do I need to see any, do I need to say any more? Right now, the, the starting quarterback is Davis Mills. So that, that tells you all you, you need to know about the starting quarterback situation there for Houston. Outside of that, uh, they brought in some guys in free agency in uh, in Noah Brown. Uh, uh, John Mechie is going to be coming back off that ACL. Also, they brought in Robert Woods, who is, I'm not sure why you pay Robert Woods money at this this point in his career, but you know what? Hopefully it works out for him. God bless him. He's a, he's a guy that's going to be moving a lot in motion uh, in the new um, Bobby Slowick era at that offensive coordinator. So maybe it works out for him. Maybe it doesn't. It, when he was playing his best ball with the Rams, he was used in like he was used in motion more than just about anyone else in the entire league. So maybe this could be a career revival. That being said, when your top three receivers are Robert Woods, Nico Collins, and Noah Brown, you need some more wide receivers. I mean, maybe maybe John Mechie steps up coming off that ACL uh, another year out from that ACL and and is you know better than we expect. But right now, you still need wide receivers in that room, and that's that's really just where they're sitting. So. Outside of that, though, on the defense, I'm really offensively, if you're looking at the offensive line as well, solid group over there. I mean, Titus Howard, Larry, Laramie Tunsil, solid group of tackles. Uh, Kenyon Green, Scott Questenberry, and they just brought in Shaq Mason in free agency. So not the best offensive line, but not really, not really an area you need to spend a whole lot of draft capital in at this point in time, if I had to guess. Uh, outside of that, though, on the defensive side of the ball, you got the ageless Jerry Hughes over there, but outside of him, Probably going to want to look into some pass rush. You got Jonathan Greenard on the other side, and not really a whole lot. You, you did bring in Sheldon Rankins, which is a good, uh, good sort of, uh, good, good sort of addition there. You brought in a couple other good, uh, good additions on the back end. Derek Stingley, obviously. Uh, Steven Nelson is there. Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie, solid sort of a, a group of secondary talent, if you will. But that defensive line, specifically that pass rush unit, is looking like an area you need to, to upgrade in because right now it's. Jerry Hughes, who I'm, I'm, I'm not sure you can really count on at this stage in his career being a consistent pass rushing threat. 
And then a bunch of, uh, I don't know, I don't know outside of that as far as where you're getting a pass rush from. Sheldon Rankins will probably help in the interior, but you need some more fresh bodies out there if you want to really compete as far as the uh, as, as far as the pass rush department is concerned. And there you have it. QB, wide receiver, pass rush. Those are the areas I'm looking at for the Houston Texans. And finally, we have made it to the final and last stop in the road here. Only two hours into the podcast, we are mercifully coming to an end. Uh, and it is the Chicago Bears and with all of the all the additions they've made so far this offseason, they've still got a whole lot of holes in this roster, man. No two ways about it. Uh, obviously, they, they bolstered up the interior of that offensive line, uh, bringing in Nate Davis off the street. Uh, but still, you need offensive line talent uh, right now. It, Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Tevin Jenkins. I'm not sure that's a group that you're really looking to roll with for the long run. Got to bolster that up a little bit. Um, as far as the rest of the offense, though, I think they really upgraded in a lot of areas. I think Khalil Herbert is going to step in very nicely. Uh, Deontay Foreman is a, is a solid guy to pick up off the off the street as well. Um, as far as wide receivers, uh, you bring in DJ Moore on that trade for the number one overall pick. An absolute steal to get him with the number one overall pick uh, trade as well. Uh, already had Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. Who's to say? I mean, he's he's all right, I guess. But you still got Equinamius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, Velas Jones. They got a really uh, deep group of wide receivers in a way that they did not have in, in previous years, especially when we got a legit number one in DJ Moore coming in. Got Cole Komet. So overall, solid group of weapons that they got there in addition to, to having Justin Fields, the most dynamic runner outside of Lamar Jackson at the quarterback position in the entire league right now. Um, <clears throat> the real needs come in. On defense, they had a terrible defense last year, and they brought in a bunch of guys on defense, uh, but they still need to bring in more, quite frankly. Um, I'm looking at linebacker in specific. They did bring in Tremaine Edmonds. They did bring in TJ Edwards, but the other starting linebacker is Jack Sanborn, who I don't know who that is, quite frankly, and I I probably uh, won't learn uh, until the course of this season. Probably a guy you want to want to upgrade to or upgrade from and bolster up the the depth behind as well and then you're looking at uh, defensive line right now the starting uh, starting guys are Travis Gibson, Andrew Billings, Justin Jones and DeMarcus Walker not an all-star group there so again it, this there's a reason they were the number one overall pick last year there's a lot of areas they need to get to and I, I would assume they're going to be hitting them pretty aggressively in this draft this year so de- defensive line is one of them linebacker is one of them and I think safety are probably looking good. Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson, uh, a solid group of, uh, of safeties, uh, if I had to say so. But Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson, probably just not going to cut it at cornerback. So that's my other group that I'm looking at there, cornerback uh, as far as needs. Really just the entire defense uh, on the whole. Probably going to want to upgrade in a lot of positions there throughout the course of this draft. That's that's going to be an area they're going to be hitting harder than just about anywhere else on the team. And again, like I said, with uh, with I can't remember who the team was. I think the Broncos, who it was. Uh, if you're just looking at one side of the ball for the most part, outside of the offensive line, you're in a pretty good position to really upgrade uh, where you were from from the previous year. So there you have it: offensive line, linebacker, cornerback, uh, defensive line for the Bears this coming draft. And there it is. There you have it right there, folks. I forgot to put the outro in, but that's it. I mean, 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this episode of Unqualified Analysis. Uh, leave a five star rating. If you don't, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come to, to your house. I'm gonna find you, and you know, leave a good review. Uh, if you don't like it, just keep it moving, if you will. I release episodes every Tuesday um, throughout the off season. It's gonna probably be back to Tuesday and Thursday come the uh, the, the regular season once again. Uh, follow me on all my socials at Caleb Verzak. Link will be in the description. So you have to spell my, my fucked up Eastern Block name at least for the Twitter. I really, Twitter is really the only thing I use. Twitter, even though Elon Musk has totally ruined it. It's still the one, still the one area that I I, des- I decide to go into and and stick with for the the whole time. Uh, outside of that, though, if you want to shoot me an email, it is unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Uh, it's unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. or you can shoot me a DM DM if you want to add something to the show as well or. Uh, business show either way just go through either the the, the the DMs on Twitter or go through the the uh, Jesus Christ the email if you will and with that that is all folks uh, as always I got no clue what I am talking about uh, thank you for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis I did all that without even having a script to read off of and one thing I learned this week probably going to have to you know what I'm not going to have to look at this up because I just had one thing I legitimately learned yesterday the actor well-known actor Edward Norton is has a legitimate and documented relation, direct blood relation to Pocahontas. Uh, that is, you know, he had researchers go into it and everything to verify it. Uh, Pocahontas is Edward Norton's 12th great-grandmother. So there you go. You'll learn more every single day. With that, I have already talked entirely too much. We are a full two hours, 10 minutes into this. So I'm going to get to editing. See y'all.